the incomparable. Well, here we are again. It, uh, I call this meeting of the incomparable Star Wars Club to order. We went through the original movies. We went and watched episode one. We let a uh, reasonable amount of time lapse so that we could recover. And we're back to talk about Star Wars episode. episode I should let me let me punctuate this properly. Star Wars dash episode two Roman numeral colon Attack of the Clones. Right. I think that's the, the right way to. To get the it. official title. I, I got it wrong last time, so I'm making sure I get it right this time. And um, just to explain, we we uh, we like to talk about Star Wars. We did uh, two episode uh, chunks about each of the uh, original three movies, and then uh, by popular demand, they asked us to talk about uh, you listeners asked us to talk about the prequels, which were which we denied all knowledge of. But for one night why, only, listeners, why one night only we bring it back and we talk about it, and uh, so that leads us to this unfortunate moment which is we watched star wars episode two and now we're going to talk about it i want to i want to leave some warnings right here which is although we love star wars especially the original trilogy the prequels we don't love so much and although we try not to do whole episodes about things we know we're going to hate just to uh destroy them every now and then catharsis is good for the soul i believe and that's i think what you're probably going to hear tonight is some uh some catharsis about a, a movie that we don't like, although you never know, Monty might say things or he might blow our minds with things that he likes about it. I think it's unlikely. <laughs> he might not do. He might have created some other insane and unlikely backstory <laughs> to make it all better for himself. So let me introduce the uh, the participants here uh, before we get started. Um, you, you heard Steve Lutz. Hi, Steve. Hi, Jason. Uh, you watched the movie? Can, can we confirm that? I I think I did. All right. I saw you I can't, struggling I can't through confirm. it in, in little pieces over yes, yes. many I, days. Yes, yes. It took me three nights, and it felt like about 30. That's the worst Hanukkah ever. All and right. as, I will, as I will discuss later, it's, uh, I have difficulty remembering this film. So, All right. Well, do your best. You can make things I'll do, up I'll if do you what need I can. to. All right. I took extensive notes and, uh, until they turn into just horrible, filthy scrawlings at the end of the list. Fair I enough. should be able to work from those. All right, it's it's never a good sign when you start with detailed uh, film criticism notes and it ends in a suicide note. Yeah, it's never a good sign. Monty Ashley is also here. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. Good to have you here. Good to be here. Pity it required me watching this movie. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. There we go. Okay. Uh, Dan Morin, you, I believe, uh, watched this just moments ago, Flophouse style, before the recording of this podcast. Is that correct? Indeed. For the first time in 12 years. Wow. That's commitment. Yeah. Thank you. Haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater, so thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Thank hmm. you for your commitment to the podcast, is what I have to say. I'm going to be committed at the end of this podcast. That may also be true. Serenity Caldwell, I believe, also joined you for this fine sque- screening uh, right before we began recording. Hello. Unfortunately. Fortunately, yes. Hello, Jason. I always watch with a buddy. Yeah, I. You know <laughs> what? A suicide watch thing. Watching this movie when it came out in two thousand two was, uh, I think, a much better experience for me yep. than rewatching yep. it tonight. But there was snark involved tonight, so it was a little bit better. That's good. And of course, he wouldn't uh, miss one. It's uh, John Syracuse. Uh, hello. I guess I can add another data point to this experiment and say that I too took three separate. Viewing oh. occasions to make it through this movie took yeah. took two for me. I I, I had to break. It I up. I ripped the band aid off and did it in one. <laughs> Good job. Well, okay, so 
<laughs> I, I I have a little bit of a synopsis here in my notes that, like I said, trails off into sadness at the end, uh, or like, trails off into incoherence at the end. It starts really with sadness and goes from there. But before I do, I would like to ask if anybody, particularly John Syracuse, has any opening remarks, <laughs> as we often like to do, especially for Star Wars episodes. John, do you have any remarks? I do have a very brief opening statement, right. and I've heard that Dan Morin also has one as well, so he can go after me if he would like. I don't already say everything They're he wants Very to say. generous. Thank you, John. All right. Um, so I'm going to start with a, a brief review of my theory of the meta-failure of the Star Wars prequels. This is a repeat <laughs> for anyone who has listened to the Phantom Menace episode. This is just a quick summary of that. So to recap, the, uh, the reason these movies exist is to explain how Luke's father became Darth Vader, because that's what we all wanted to know after seeing the first three movies. And episode one didn't really do much in that regard it didn't contribute to the effort and it's my contention yeah it's my contention that the entire prequels as a whole totally fail to achieve this goal Uh, and this is aside from their failings as an individual movie so that's the big uh, meta theory but all that said going into episode two in 2002 i was actually cautiously optimistic for a couple of reasons about this second movie Uh, first i knew that anakin would be played by a different older and presumably better actor so thumbs up on that. Different. Second. So much yeah. for presuming. Ostensibly. Episode two was rumored to be darker than episode one. And I figured, geez, after all that Jar Jar stuff, darker has got to be better, right? Yep. Um, the best action scene in episode one was the lightsaber battle at the end. And episode two promised to have more lightsaber battles. Uh, and I, I say all this basically to explain that I went into episode two. I didn't go into it determined to hate it. I went in thinking... You could still turn this thing around. I knew it was a a three-episode trilogy. The first one was crummy, but maybe two and three will be better. So I had no preconceived notions. I was willing to believe at this point. And I think the rest of the podcast will talk about how my hopes were dashed. (laughs) All right. Uh, Good table setting there. Dan Morin, would you like to add anything? I I just had a, a a short list, which includes, let's see, robots. Uh, spaceships, lightsabers, uh, political intrigue, illicit love affairs, clones, uh, and only George Lucas could take all of these things, put them in a single movie, and make it so boring <laughs> that you want to fall asleep. I noticed your list didn't have death sticks on it. Was that just an oversight? <laughs> oh, death sticks. And jump one. cuts. What's the opposite of political intrigue? Is it political outrigue? Because that's what this movie had. It, yeah. <laughs> well, we can start with the crawl, can't we? Because that, the crawl is, is where the I most indicative. Yeah. You have divine. Before, before my you get there, I, I have a oh. brief opening statement myself. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, this is this is uh, as exciting as the Imperial Senate passing resolutions <laughs> that are nominated by George R. Binks. Opening statement: <laughs> The podcast. I don't get too excited. Dan yielded the floor to it for another. Oh, I know. I, I just wanted to. That was sort of my nice little pithy wrap up. But I agree with everything my esteemed colleague um, from Syracuse <laughs> said. From Naboo. Okay, Steve, you may go ahead. Oh, this is more really the form of a disclaimer. Uh, this is absolutely true. When I watched this movie, it was several years after everybody else had already seen it and trashed it. And I had seen episode one and thought, okay, well, that's some crap. But it, you know, it's semi entertaining. Um, and so I sat down to watch this. I was on, a, I think I was on a trip somewhere on, uh, for business, sat down with a laptop, watched it, you know, got through it. And then a week later I was somewhere else in another hotel and I looked at the DVD and I realized I watched this a week ago 
And I have absolutely no <laughs> recollection of anything that happened in this film. That is absolutely true. Two and a half hours of my life were just gone. I knew something must have happened during that time. I had sort of a, a vague sense that there had been explosions and, and sand, but the specifics... So it's a lot like a party back in college then. Yeah, I was thinking not like unlike a, that at all, like except a tile not nearly so fun. From the roof, like fell on your head as you exited the theater, and yes, that might be. Well, yeah, it was really like tiles were falling on my head throughout the entire viewing. Yeah. Of the film. <laughs> Some of us could only wish that a tile had fallen on us after this movie. Yeah, I don't know if I would take a concussion normally, but uh, it's looking pretty wow. good. This is grim. Okay, let's start with the crawl. And Ren, do we have any comments about the crawl? I only have a couple notes there. So. Yeah, my my big note about the crawl is the only exciting words in that entire thing are army, <laughs> um, which they also, I think, happen to be bolded and everything else there. Blah, 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 vote, blah, 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 limited Jedi numbers, blah, 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 Senate. You, my favorite part is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Count Dooku, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Because <laughs> like, you know what? There's nothing better than than introducing a pivotal character uh, being performed by a legendary actor by mentioning him as if you know who he is in the crawl involving um, bureaucracy and uh, a, And then not showing him for two yeah. hours? <laughs> well, and then naming him something like Count Dooku. Yeah. <laughs> so, did anybody, have, has anybody ever seen Rockadoodle? Because I feel like there is a character named, like, Count Dooku or Count Dukas or something like that, and that has always stuck with me. It's the nickname for, for Steve's cat. One, one Dooku. <laughs> two, two Dookus. <laughs> My note on the crawl was that I was excited up until the phrase a separatist movement, which is the most <laughs> boring way to describe a rebellion they could come up yes. with. Yeah, like go, going in with expectations of like, oh, this the second one could be better. You got to hand it to George Lucas. He wasted absolutely no time in immediately dissuading me from the notion that this movie was going to be different. And I, at like the first sentence is, there is unrest in the Galactic Senate. It's like a <laughs> gut punch. It's like not even a sentence. I don't even get a sentence to think that maybe this one's going to be different. You go right for the Senate. It turns out there's food poisoning. Not even the universe is in peril. There was no mention of taxation or trade routes this time. But yeah, so but, but uh. the Senate is but like... There is unrest is fine in the galactic. No, don't say it. Send it. No, who cares? I think we're supposed to be excited when the Trade Federation guys show up near the end of the movie. Like, George yeah. Lucas has no idea what people are nostalgic for at all. Oh, yeah, it's new gun ray. Oh, those guys. Oh, I hate those guys. I just like that George Lucas looked at the first movie and goes, that's a pretty low bar. Right? I, I think I can get under that. <laughs> we're not playing a game oh, of limbo, God. darn it. The separatist movement... I mean, this is this is the thing. First off, what the what the crawl is supposed to do is like get you excited about what's to, what's to come, and instead, it's like fr trying to fill in lots of stuff that that is the trajectory that this film is trying to take us on. Except it's starting, uh, believe it or not, it's starting later than it would have liked to. It, it, it seems to me that another hour of separatists arguing for a partition of the empire in the senate is really what george lucas wants to talk about here because ultimately is this not right that this this story is a slow motion car crash but it really is just like hey what if there were lots of political machinations behind the scenes that led to a dictatorship okay i get it but um it's not interesting it, it's it's a story that has happened in history and you could tell it but 
it's not interesting. And, and the Count Dooku thing, introducing him in the crawl, you know, it's just it just seems like a, a waste. Plus, it's never clear later in the movie about the whole separatist movement and why they exist other than as a ploy sure which is what, what are they doing who are they why do they want to have a droid army why is the separatist movement made up entirely of businessmen it's not businessmen like, there's also that robot guy who they're but they're robot businesses <laughs> with the knobs on robot his businesses with the he's, with he's the knobs the, uh, the talking speaking spell from the techno oh, unit. <laughs> it's kind of like the father on invader zim I feel confident stating that this movie might have been better if the first two hours had been a crawl, and then <laughs> there's like half an hour of like action at the end. Yeah, that's how it, it certainly crawled. I'll give it that. There, there are people who can make interesting movies and television shows out of political machinations, um, but you have to kind of go the Game of Thrones route if you want to do that. Like, oops. <sighs> Yeah, I, I guess lots of nudity is the answer. Although there's a fair amount of like hinted nudity in this movie anyway. There's so midriff, there's plenty of midriff. Um, there is midriff. There Bearing is midriff and claws. Yes, yes. But no, I mean, there are hints that in this terrible train wreck of a movie, there could have been something cool. Hey, like the the Lego um, the Lego Star Wars version of this movie is perfectly fine. Right. <laughs> In fact, I ad- I advise you to watch that instead of this. <laughs> I don't know about the Lego oh, yeah. Star Wars version well, of this Lego movie because I've never played the Lego Star oh, Wars prequels. Yeah. I was thinking about that while watching this game and while watching Pirates of the Caribbean two that I watched yesterday. There's lousy scenes that I feel more charitable towards because I enjoyed playing a Lego version. Yes, <laughs> the Lego version was much was much better. Well, the Lego versions probably don't have terrible dialogue. <laughs> all right, so we all made it through the crawl. Through the crawl, we all survived, <laughs> I think. Uh, although the crawl was my first experience of going, like, as they, the crawl, they go through the crawl, and it's like you said, it's setting you up for, like, the first scene of the movie. And as I'm watching the crawl and being disgusted by it, whatever, I go, you know what? I have no recollection of what they were trying to set up. Like, you know, they're trying to set up yeah. something, and the scene is when... Uh, Queen Amidala or the senator or whatever comes on the planet in her thing and, and gets bombed, right? And But they were trying to set up that there was supposed to be this vote and she was coming there to vote on it. And I had no recollection of that. I'm like, boy, if I can't remember the premise of the first scene, yeah. this is this is not going to be good. And uh, like, I, as I kept watching the movie, I'm like, is this the one with that alien guy with the four arms? Like, seriously, I, I, I told, there's some sort of amnesia ray that comes out of this movie that makes you forget everything about it. Maybe it's like your brain protecting itself. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like what happens when you're when you're reading something really boring and you suddenly realize that you stopped actually processing the words <laughs> several paragraphs ago. Yeah, you're thinking about something more interesting. <laughs> yeah. Speeders and clones are flying around and stupid things are being said poorly, but your mind just checks itself out. I just like uh, even even focusing on. I mean, like Amidala. That's a good. If the crawl was that that uh, you know Senator Amidala, former formerly Queen, is on a desperate <laughs> mission to save um, the the Empire from falling apart, but she's under threat and has come here under heavy guard, and try to make it like right, like it's uh, we missed a cliffhanger of an exciting uh, '30s movie serial. Remember last that? time on Star Wars, where, where yeah. then her, her landing there and having the thing blow up and all that would be like, oh, you know, what mission was she on? And then we learn, but instead, it's like you know, her mission is one little piece in this much bigger puzzle, which may be true plot wise, but it, you know, give us something we remember her vaguely from the last movie. Can sort we give? Of. Can we hang something on that? And then the crawls are awkward in all the other movies as well, but you could sum them up in like a sentence. Like Empire is like uh, bad guys are are chasing the good guys. Good guys are hiding on Snow Planet. 
Like, and, and the next one is uh, Death you Star. Know, good, good guys trying to go get Han Solo, who was frozen at the end of the last movie. Well, you notice the first, the original trilogy, the crawl always centers around the main characters. Like, there's some big picture stuff, but it always ends or begins with a main character. Uh, well, These movies, the rub because there is no main character. Well, exactly. Again. There's no main character. The, the the main characters of the prequels of a whole, but especially Episode Two, is the Galactic Senate. And the yep. Jedi Order. There's no, like, we try, they try and narrow it a bit like, oh, we should care about Anakin and Obi-Wan and Amidala and also Yoda and also the Jedi Council and also maybe Jar Jar. Like, there's no centering <laughs> force yeah. to any of this movie. It's just a lot of tiny little vignettes that are supposed to string together and you're not quite sure how they all do. Which is inexcusable because, again, we're supposed to be learning how Anakin turns into Darth Vader. And so you could write off the first movie but say, surely now when we have an adult actor playing Anakin, surely the focus will be on him. How could it not be on him? That's what these movies are about. And it's like, nah, actually, he just kind of hangs around and annoys you. To <laughs> illustrate this, here's how episode four's crawl ends. Pursued by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. And they cut from that to Princess Leia racing home aboard her starship with the stolen plans. Mm -hmm. It flows in and tells you where you are. As opposed to this, where I don't even remember how it is. Well, even just the words are more dynamic. Army (laughs) of the Republic! Yay! Count Dooku! Even Count Dooku doesn't get caps. No. Nope. Just the Army of the Republic. Let's see if I can pull us past the crawl here. Uh, after the crawl, they you know they show the ship flying in yeah. and everything, and I was struck by like how the the CG and the opening scene, you know, they cut from that to like the people walking out of the ship and landing platform. The CG and the audio and the opening scene looks better than the first live action shot, and that's something I would find myself thinking throughout this entire movie. That the CG, although it is a little, it hasn't aged all that well. You can see kind of like the rough edges invariably looks better to me than the live action shots. And I think the live action shots are aging worse. So the, the CG was like, oh, this could be cool. It's lots of nice visuals. And then they cut to a bunch of people walking around in a green screen thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot that's what this movie it's, is like. It's not even the live yeah. shots that are terrible. It's the compositing, right? Yeah, like, it's exactly. the fact that they're yes. put in contrast with the CGI shots. They couldn't figure out how to time it. It's that the, the people never look like they're in the scene with whatever's flapping around behind it, And them. I don't mm-hmm. understand why, because, the, like, if anyone would have the technology to integrate them, like... like the CG itself is very well done. It's just, I, there's just something off about it, and it, you know, it, it makes me wish the entire movie was CG. Like when that ship goes by, I was thinking, boy, Ben Burt still makes the best engine noises. And then we cut to a bunch of people walking around on a green screen. I'm like, oh. Well, on the other hand, there are places where the CG is really, really bad. Like I, I think on Camino in particular, the Caminoans look ridiculous. Anytime you're going to go to characters in this film, they are inevitably going to look worse because we have to remember 2000. This is 2002, right? This is pre Monsters Inc., pre hair revolutions in <laughs> CG and 3D, pre proper lighting engineering. So they're still dealing with. I can't remember the exact technical term with it, but they um, they basically are dealing with a much reduced kind of like a 256 color lighting spectrum um, to borrow. Like a, they're they're dealing like with with the GIF of CGI right now, and they haven't gotten to like JPEG or SVG. <laughs> maybe they uh, maybe they should have dealt with that by I don't know some practical effects. 
Yeah, you would think, but uh, they want Yoda jumping around. I have a, a note later that says the practical effects I thought were worse than both the CG and the live action because at one point they <laughs> oh, have they have they have Anakin and uh, and Padme getting out of like that stupid gondola looking thing mm. later in the movie, <laughs> and that gondola thing looks to me like someone made a CG model and then someone looked at the CG model and made a real life wooden representation of it and then they got out of the wooden thing it's like the 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 movie made from the novelization of the you know it's, yeah, it's, it's a low it's, resolution it goes, wood it's, boat. it's it's two cycles through the, the, and it just i was like that wooden boat is the worst thing i've ever seen in a movie it just looks dumb it looks fake it doesn't look like anything i'd ever want to see and i was begging for it to be done in bad low res cg with bad lighting on it like that would have been a step up but at least it goes away quickly unlike their cgi diner owner who's in the middle of the screen, uh, talking yeah, no, forever. Well, we'll 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 get there. We'll get there. I want to I want to mention. I want to drag us at least to the. Uh, so there's an assassination attempt after an entire movie of uh, Padme having d- uh, doubles that I couldn't tell apart, even though it was Kira Knightley and not <laughs> Natalie Portman. But that you could listen to our episode one episodes for that. Um, and nothing really happens except there's a switcheroo at some point here in the very first scene. It's like that's why she's got a double because her double is horribly killed in an assassination attempt while Padme is riding in the little like side ship and actually doesn't look like her <laughs> yeah this double actually looks more like jimmy smith's double <laughs> she says i f- i failed you senator that's exactly what you're there for yeah. you're doing it right well she might have failed her by tell- not telling her to get the hell off the platform yeah that was that it she's, she's standing there very clearly herself not really in a disguise she's taken off her disguise and she's just standing there right where they just killed what they thought was her it's like hello and she's there for a very long time. And this scene and the scene that follows it also blows me away because it makes the Jedi seem completely clueless because oh, they yeah. actually say, yeah. well, as far as we can tell, these are some disgruntled spice miners oh, back yeah. on Naboo. I, really? Angry spice miners? Why would they bomb you the here? Why would they buy me on Coruscant? It would be so much easier to bomb you, like, in space, or... At at this point, I started writing lines of dialogue, and I find that a lot of my notes from episode two are lines of dialogue, just because I was just... My mind boggled them. And that particular scene you're talking about with the spice miners, here's, here's Padme's lines. I love how she doesn't use contractions because that shows she's formal or something. This is good. We should just read says, the dialogue of this movie as yeah, our podcast tonight. Contractions or inflections. Here, here's her line. <laughs> Do you have any idea who's behind this attack? There's a contraction, at least. Uh, and then they say the spice mining things. And then she says, I think that Kanduku is behind it. Okay. Great writing there. Do you have an idea? I think that I think that it is count two. That that is literally every line here. There is no subtext. Yeah. So again, again with the text versus subtext. Even the sentence construction doesn't vary here. Almost, I was counting the number of lines that are like I verb blank, like I verb noun, I verb noun, I verb adjective, I verb like it's almost every sentence for a period of maybe 15, 20 minutes starts with a yep. character saying I, and not only that, but they're declarative sentences. They're like I feel angry. <laughs> I am right, upset right. now. It, it's, it's like I don't the, believe uh, the you. script equivalent of pseudocode. Have you ever seen pseudocode where you're not writing the actual computer code you want to do something? You're just kind of sketching out vaguely ideas. You know, they're speaking in Apple behind script. it and yeah. And and they just they just took the pseudocode and they said, "But just have the people say that." So you're thinking that maybe Lucas intended to go back and do a second draft at some point? <laughs> oh, this, George, George, this dialogue's in brackets. What does that mean? Why is it in brackets? Is it's that all mean we're going to get to it later. He was going to give it to a writer and then someone would write the script. <laughs> This is like they had a, They had a writer. They had a second writer Jonathan on this. Jonathan Hales, right? The guy who worked with him on Young. <laughs> who basically was like, yeah, sounds great, George. Yeah, I don't need fixed. to do Let's much do here. That. Let me do a couple typo corrections. I'll just run spell check on it. We'll be good. We've got great actors like Natalie Portman and Ewan McGregor. They'll make it sing. 
Did you not see episode one? I think the Count Dooku is behind it. It could not be in any other movie. Have you ever heard, like, in per- I think that blank is behind it. Like, you can't say that in a movie. You would say, like, Count Dooku, or it must be Count Dooku, or somewhat, like, even those are cliches, but just something, anything. Just throw me a bone. But yeah, even those would sound, yeah, even those would be more sonorous than the stupid, I mean, it sounds like it was written by a third grader. Really? A line featuring Count Dooku sounds juvenile? The, the dialogue in the original Star Wars, there's a lot of um, cliched dialogue that sounds like something out of a serial, right? It's, you know, I... Sure. But they, they sell it. it. Yeah. With, with all, the, all, the, all the stuff on the Death Star with Leia and all that. But it's, it is... And it's a reference and it's knowing. And here it's not like campy or over the top. It's non-existent. It's just flat It's oblivious. Statements. Yeah. It, it's, I really think it's more the delivery than the dialogue. Like... Uh. Well, I, I was just going to say, what, what is it? Is it 50, How do you 50? deliver is that dialogue like, well? Because uh, we agree the delivery is terrible, and we agree the lines are terrible, but how do you apportion the blame? Well, I think it's Dooku. <laughs> He's behind this script. Uh, I, th- I mean, it depends. Can you, if you can produce this script in a way where you can make it actually sound like rational dialogue, then it's the delivery. <laughs> but I don't think that's actually possible. I, don't th- I think no matter who you put in those roles, this is going to sound terrible terrible because it's well, recall badly that the written. guy who wrote the script also directed these people and i think the apportionment doesn't really matter yeah. oh yeah it lands on one person i'm just saying like because there are a lot of terrible lines in the original trilogy and and uh, you know great actors managed to sell them in hindsight but like i don't like another scene that i think could not be made better is when uh obi-wan and anakin are coming up in the elevator mm-hmm. trying to share that tale about oh remember when i fell into that gundark pit like it's you know what that scene is supposed to do it's supposed to show us that they're these guys have had some wacky adventures together, and they're bonded. You like, fell into that nightmare, yeah. master. And then we pause for one breath, and then laugh. And he says, remember? And Obi-Wan says, oh. So, Everyone oh, is yes. far too uh, restrained in this film. At least that was that keeps on giving my impression. Like, you get Padme, you get um, Anakin and Obi-Wan in that elevator scene, where despite the fact that they have this somewhat casual dialogue, and it's one of the few instances of casual dialogue that they have, they are both so... It's like there is a wall between them. And for all we know, they could have <laughs> recorded their dialogue and their appearances separately, thanks to the magic of CGI. Harrison Ford does more acting with one lean. It's possible that Hayden Christensen is entirely computer-generated. The Jedi, um, also, I have to say... Um, I couldn't imagine that the Jedi, that being a Jedi master, a Jedi knight, would be boring. But there's so a piece boring. of dialogue that really kills me early on here where um, they mention that, uh, that Obi Wan can take care of her and watch her. He's just back from, uh, from a border dispute. And I thought, wow, that is a terrible job being a Jedi knight because th- apparently that's what they do fight with lightsabers, use the force. No, you go again to the bureaucrats and oh, there's a border dispute. I think the river belongs to us no 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 half the river belongs to us well let's get the jedi in here to deal with this well jason the jedi are keepers of the peace not soldiers of course this is why the republic has fallen because they're using their guys with awesome magic powers and lightsabers to deal with border Border disputes disputes. again meanwhile it's rotting from the inside out boring terrible job i'm just saying terrible job jedi
the way this movie brings you out of this boredom is that oh you think you think you're bored now you think that that scene where they were in the elevator was too boring that they, it sounded like that sticks up their butts just wait Anakin's gonna meet Padme and he's gonna start to woo her with his amazing lines <laughs> woo you've grown let me tell you so have you grown more beautiful I mean. Can, can we talk about the age discrepancy a little bit? Because this is very strange. This is apparently 10 years after the previous movie. And and Natalie Portman doesn't look any older. But, of course, Jake Lloyd is now Hayden Christensen. She's so how supposed old was to be she? 24, right? Because she's well, supposed she to be 14. 14. She was 14 she's 14 in, in the one? first movie. Yeah, yeah. she's supposed yeah. to be 14. Yeah. Okay, Because she was elected as queen at 14. She wasn't the youngest queen ever elected. And how old is Anakin? Eight? Yeah, he's got to so be he's eight. 18. Yeah. Except he's... So it's legal. I've, it's weird. I've got some real issues with the whole concept of an elected queen, by the way. Yeah, I was looking that up on Wikipedia while we were watching tonight because I was very unclear about the whole mechanics of that. And I'm like, really? You're electing somebody who's 14 to govern your planet? She was in the legislative youth program. Yes. And then <laughs> – Yeah, it's like the Model UN. The Naboo oh, Constitution. Yeah, well, I didn't know we elected people from the Model UN to you know serve as governor of a city. Turns out nobody else on Naboo is qualified. I have no problem with this because I, I always viewed this as being one of these really uh, you know bizarre things that grows up over – over, over thousands of years where there's probably something about how we're going to take our, our most brilliant children before they're unsullied by political connections and we're going to you know elect them as the queen and the queen is 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 not uh in, in most times is just a ceremonial figure because the guy with the the guy with a goatee is back there doing the actual work right the guy with the, you gotta wear it's a always the to guy with that goatee. job yeah. of course well so, but that makes sense if she's if she's clearly only a figurehead that makes perfect sense but it appears based on the first movie that she is the one and only guy government yeah. official on all of Naboo. Well, that was a, that was extraordinary circumstance. <laughs> and it's just so yeah. lazy. Oh, it's very, well, the one time it mattered. It's so we lazy for there to be a two-term limit in the Constitution. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I should point out there actually are other are, there are other levers of power in the form of her various uh, body doubles because they apparently can do yeah. all the shots. They can also when they're, yep. when they're the queen. Well, that's good because apparently they're being asked to sacrifice themselves not for the hereditary ruler, but just for the 14-year-old that was elected for her first term as queen. But it's serving the, the duty of my planet. Yeah. It should have been in the legislative youth program, not the decoy youth program. Here we are talking about political science again. <laughs> what has this movie done to us? So going back to going back to the relationship thing for a second, the age discrepancy I don't notice so much in this film because they both look very young and it's kind of like, okay, whatever. But watching this film 10 years later, I don't think I realized just how freakishly creepy the first half of this movie uh-huh. is in terms of lines and like I don't know I mean I got I mean I was watching this movie with Dan and Dan had to walk out of the room a couple times because I was yelling at the television and I'm not usually a person who's like oh god that's you know that's really disrespectful or that you know seems like an invasion of a woman's space but like the first half of this movie is so creepy Anakin is such a creeper. You'll always be that little boy to me. That's like me just there. Creepier, Jason. Well, no, but that's not the creepy part. The, the creepy part is the way he leers at her. He is the creepiest. Oh, leer- yeah, the leer- leering, the smirk. The she doesn't like me watching her. Eh? Oh God, uh, it's so gross. Oh, yeah, no, the God. smirk. The smirk is the worst part. It makes your skin crawl. It's so creepy. You're exactly the way I remembered you in my dreams. In my, yeah. 
Also, right, when I watched see, you. When he goes in for a kiss, she does not respond at all. She's just staring into the distance. Well, well, yeah, but it's okay for him to be creeper. Like, like when I was watching what? this film, like, you know, it, like, it's okay. For, if he wants to be creepy, because he does end up being a bad guy, right? Maybe he's creepy. The, but the, the sin of this movie is not so much that he's creepy and annoying, which I guess hurts the movie if you want him to be likable in any way, because he's <laughs> terrifying. But that the premise of this movie is that she, she responds yeah. She responds to it that. Works. And I can't imagine anything Ugh. that Anakin said in Padme Presence being attractive to any woman ever. <laughs> I don't and think somehow, be, because the script... Because the script says so, she responds as like, oh, yes, that's totally a turn on. Are you kidding me? A turn on? I've been dying a little each day since you came back. Really? No, like everything, everything he does, every, you know, he whines about Obi-Wan. He, he's just full of complaints. He's like, he's a loser. He is an annoying, <laughs> leering, yeah. creepy loser. And if she taught him a lesson and laid him low and had him realize that he, he, he needed to treat her like a real person, that would be an interesting relationship dynamic. But no, you're right, John. Basically, the, what the lesson learned here is be a totally creepy dude and never give up being creepy. And eventually, your creepiness will be properly interpreted as love. They'll come around. Yeah. Listen, I cannot count the number of times I have walked into a bar and shouted, they're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. <laughs> I hate them. And totally gotten like five phone numbers right there. So let's go out. Padme talks to him the way you talk to a child. At one point when he's whining about Obi-Wan, Padme says to him, that must be frustrating for you, which is how you talk to children to like sort of acknowledge their emotions and to like, you know, say that's she, she treats him like a child because he acts like a child. And during this whole time, she's totally flat. But again, if you follow the pace of the movie, you're like, we're supposed to believe that she is falling in love with him, which yeah. gets like the, the real howler lines at the end of this movie about how about how much in love they are. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? The, the number just... of scenes exists where they could theoretically have fallen in love. It doesn't happen in those scenes, but they, <laughs> they pace it out. Like, well, well yeah, there were four I, scenes. I mean, obviously, they had time. Yeah, they have a scene where they're talking, a scene where they're playing, a scene where they kiss, and a scene where they're married. But the characters don't fall in love during those scenes. Yeah. If they had taken out even some of the creepiness, like there's that there's that conversation they have skipping ahead a little bit in the freighter when they're heading home to Naboo on, you know, unregistered transit. And that scene could have been very sweet and been like, oh, this is, our, you know, it's it's strange how far we've come in 10 years. And instead, no, the last line of that scene is you're exactly how I remember you in my dreams. Leering look. Wow. Padme looks down at her hands saying, oh, Lord, what have I gotten myself into? This guy is going to be protecting me. But she's supposed to be saying, oh, I'm overwhelmed by how much he loves me. And I find that such a I'm attracted to him incredibly. No, no, you're not. But yet that's how that's how she's supposed to be acting there that he's winning her over with this well to jason's point earlier i think what's interesting is there's there could have been an interesting dynamic again with this this woman who was put in charge of an entire you know planet when she was a small child she was probably not interacting with other like people her age like again you could have done something interesting with him her being like well she's been kind of sheltered you know and she's maybe kind of damaged because she's had to do all this stuff that's really beyond her years <laughs> but no we don't go that way <laughs> so, uh, two, two emotionally damaged people. Yeah, no, I would think she seems so worldly that she would. Uh, she, yeah, there's agreed. nothing that he has to offer that she would find interesting. She ruled a planet. She's a senator. She's traveling from planet to planet. And he's like, he's just uh, been isolated from his entire family, apparently, just doing the Jedi thing. Order disputes. <laughs> Hanging out with Obi-Wan. Gundar Pit. She would not be interested in him in any way. Yeah, so here's the thing. Um, I wanted to also mention, so I, I slowly try to drag us forward. Um 
we'll have more time to talk about this relationship i think as we go um in the scene before they uh the centipede attack <laughs> um there's <laughs> a video there, game ever there's a conversation where they're talking and jar jar is present and they're all kind of, <laughs> and, and and the thing that there's a fascinating little shot that i wanted to mention which is they have there's a pause in the conversation and they cut to jar jar who sits there and doesn't do anything and it goes for a couple seconds where it's jar jar sitting there and there's silence and then they cut away and it's just it's it's maybe the best shot in the movie because I have no idea why that shot is there other than hey it's Jar 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 Jar's here the kids, kids. love Jar Jar but it's Remember not like Jar Jar? undercut with dialogue it's just silent of Jar Jar like and there are, throughout this movie there are some things that seemed kind of questionable in terms of just the competence of editing and directing a movie where there are cutaways that I'm like why is that cutaway there but the Jar Jar moment is the best okay centipede attack. R2D2 is a terrible oh, security droid. Yeah. yeah. He I have I have those exact words in my notes. He is the worst security <laughs> system ever. I mean, think think about what happens in this room. Bright lights, noise, objects falling from the ceiling to the ground. He can detect none of these things. A toddler in the room would turn his toddler head towards the the motion and the noise and the light. Archu, nothing. nothing. Doesn't even notice. He's in sleep mode. I don't know that he's worse than the two Jedi in the next room who are bickering while they're target while they're well, like but protecting is getting is assassinated. Watching that, her, right? Yeah, that, but they're Jedi. The they're Jedi. Come on, you you didn't send two schmucks to guard. But he's a, he's a computer with sensors and rockets and stuff. And yet, well, I think the idea is that is he fell asleep or something, or that because they didn't break the little beams he's emitting. Just look around; it's it's the only thing moving with bright right. lights in the entire room. How can you not know? I mean, the Jedi, to their credit, even though they're not in the room, sense danger eventually and jump in and kill the little worm things. But yeah, R two is fired. Wait, wait, okay, wait. I have to take issue with the way they kill them because when you have force powers and you can just throw things against the wall, instead you're going to use a lightsaber. Like carefully inches from someone's face to slice it out of her hair. He was just trying to show off. Like that, that if you're trying to look for some way that Anakin could do something that could conceivably be impressive, maybe you could say demonstrating his Jedi skills by like floating stupid pears yeah. around and stuff. Maybe <laughs> that could be impressive to like a an, a teenage girl who if she sat up at the wrong moment, this story ends way too soon. But in a better way, I think. Yes, you know? yes. They would just put on a robot head. I, I'm curious as to why it takes them. Until the centipedes are actually crawling into her hair to to sense it, I sense it too. For drama, like, Steve. Drama. Did you sense bickering. Forty five seconds ago. Yeah, but they're still bickering when he senses it suddenly. The answer to every question you have, Steve, is because it's in the script. They sense uh. that R two D two was beeping in his sleep cycle instead of being awake. That's what they sensed. Yeah. When, when they have Palpatine uh, send Anakin to get Padme, like Palpatine's trying to do these things. Look, he's a puppet master. He's going to send this guy to get that guy and talk to this guy and ask her about that. And you're like, it, it seems like, oh, this amazing plan is coming together. But the only reason any of these things work, like uh, Palpatine's his little plan to send people to various places and he knows that person is going to be sent to protect her and stuff, is because the script says so. Like, there, you couldn't say, oh, if I... If I send Obi-Wan to protect her, then Obi-Wan and the Jedi people will decide to send Anakin to protect her, then Anakin will get together with her, because I know that in the next movie, like, if you follow the steps backwards, there's no expectation that they would have come out this way, and the only reason they do is, like Dan said, because the script said they should. I am glad to see that there's a strong market for robots that their sole purpose is to dissolve holes in windows and then deliver <laughs> the contents of a tube through them. <laughs> we don't know that's his sole purpose. Come on. It does other things, too. It's, it's, I think that's a multitasking It delivers drone. death sticks. Like R2-D2 has, like, five functions. 
including rockets. <laughs> yeah. And apparently sleeping through guard duty is one of them. So so Obi-Wan in a proving he's a man of action um leaps out the window Whee! into the open space, grabs a hold of the of the uh after the, incidentally the just spending the whole night lecturing Anakin on how they're just there to protect Padme. Yeah, so he 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 um obviously was convinced and he jumps out and then we get to see one year after Mar- Monsters Inc was released, we get to see a replay of the door scene from Monsters. Uh, as he dangles from a thing and swings around in a large space and goes, whoa. Does not get hit by a car, amazingly. Exactly. Doesn't ever gets hit by a car. There's never any. But I I was struck at how much it was like the door scene in Monsters Incorporated. Um, And then there's this. And then he ends up in a speeder chase. This is all happening in three dimensional. uh, And there's cars everywhere. And there's a whole chase happening. And the notes I have here is it all seems really slow. There's no wind. They they completely lose the guy and then somehow are like he's over there and should pick up the chase again, which makes no sense at all. There's a shortcut, even though they're traveling in completely unfettered three dimensional space. Yes, there's a shortcut that leaves them several hundred feet higher <laughs> and like a minute ahead. So that's a really good shortcut. I would like to complain about a line of dialogue here, which was meant to be <laughs> lighthearted and airy and quippy. It's when Anakin says. Oh, you know, Master, I couldn't find a speeder I really liked. I have to blame the director or somebody for not saying, that line didn't work at all. Let's just cut it. Once more for safety, please, Hayden. Yeah. No, the the director is the writer, so, you know, blame blame him. Go ahead. But, like, like, it goes back to John's point about the first movie, right? This is the take they took. You know, George Lucas saw that take and was like, nope, that's good enough. We don't need another one. That's good. Let's use that one. When it, there's a moment when the flying car, because I mean, guys, Coruscant City, a planet that's just a city, it's got layers of traffic. You've got so it's a super futuristic thing, and you've got a chase scene, and you've got a car that's like a hot rod flying car, and and you need to go down a bunch of levels recklessly, and so you're gonna you're just gonna go out of the lanes of traffic and shoot down, and you cut to the people who are doing it, and it's like they're going through a toll booth. There's no wind, there's no excitement. It's like it's like uh, Dad lets me drive in the driveway on Sundays. It's just I, it blew me away that this is theoretically this should be very exciting and it wasn't exciting at all. Well, they reflect the level of excitement that that I had in watching yeah. this. Yeah, if you this, want a better version of this scene, go to Star Tours at Disneyland. This is this is the problem though that I have with remembering anything in this movie, and and this is just one of maybe like ten different sequences that are just pure action. And it's really it's because the movie is just basically a bunch of video game levels. They're strung together with really terrible cutscenes, but like 90% of it is just crazy video game stuff flies around and goes boom, and it just totally fails to make any sort of lasting impression. I mean, there's even a conveyor belt scene, which is something that's been a video game cliche since before some of you were born. (laughs) There's no sense of any mass with this ship, or like when somebody decides to jump out of the ship and plummet 500 miles and get caught again. There's no danger to them. Why should there be danger to me, the audience? Yeah, there's no feeling of even physics here. Well, that was a problem in the first movie, too, is, yeah, there was just no sense that anything bad could potentially even happen to these characters, so what's the point? Yeah. There's another issue I have with all these these scenes, too, and that's that so much of this chase in particular, but it happens throughout the movie, it's it's focused on showing us the cool fake buildings of Coruscant. And the chase, it's, I mean, like, we'll be zooming in on some neon-covered building for several seconds. And then after we've been looking at that for a while, uh, you know, maybe the bounty hunter will run into view in the top right corner. 
but it's just we're forced to stare at these set pieces, and the chase is just totally incidental. I also don't uh, after the uh, shortcut. He there's this really dramatic scene where he he's figured out how um, he could get her because because they took the shortcut, and he jumps out. Uh, Anakin jumps out of the car and falls all the way down to her, and it's perfectly timed. You never get any sense that he's been timing it or that he knows where it is. Um, it does it, even I like I get the point of 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 it happening, and yet it isn't set up properly. So when it happens, it's sort of like what? How did that happen? And then he he lands. Also, uh, um, I guess when they're on the ground, they say that that uh, that the bounty hunter is probably a changeling. So there's your Star Trek uh, crossover there, Dan. Like Odo. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, it, it which makes no sense at all because there's like one scene when she's driving the ship where you see her like her face flicker slightly, and then when she dies, she turns into Goo? back into her natural yeah. form. Why, why right? didn't she just stay in the natural form the whole time? There's aliens all over this planet. Why Who didn't cares? she just turn into any other form and walk away? Like she, she has her little cloth mouth covering, which. <laughs> Yeah, protects her fake identity. Great. Definitely take that off in the middle of flying around. Why not wait until you've gotten lost? Obviously, she thinks it's very effective because she kind of looks around behind her like she's making sure no one's looking before she takes it off her mouth. I don't know. There's just, yeah, there's so much wrong with the scene. In, in addition, just the whole, like, the resolution of the scene with the, we think the assassin was hired by a bounty hunter. I'm like, how many layers of contracting are going on here? You're a bounty hunter. You don't need to hire an assassin to do this. Well, there's, they keep decreasing incompetence. Like, again, when they try to blow up the, uh, you know, the senator when she lands. She's there. You could have just picked her off with a sniper rifle. Like, any of these people could be killed at any time by, by a 20th century sniper on this planet. She just wanders around the battlefield. And yet, yeah, with all all the advanced technology They're like the best way to kill her is with worms can we get some worms into her room <laughs> the poison dart is shot yeah, from like half that? a mile away by the master guy why don't shoot padme with that done and done where's padme during this whole chase if he if he could just kill people as well as he can manage subcontractors he'd be fine you just hire two assassins the first assassin gets all the bodyguards chasing them halfway across coruscant and the other one just has to get through jar jar and the and the handmaiden. <laughs> I do like the fact that when the uh, the poison dart gets shot at the bounty hunter, uh, Obi Wan takes the opportunity to pull it out, look at it, and say, "Toxic dart." <laughs> well, thanks, thanks, Obi. You uh, no kidding. You just skipped past what I think is the dumbest thing in all of Star Wars. Is it Death Sticks? It's the, the bar. name <laughs> of the, the person who set who is trying to sell Death Sticks. It's Elian Sleesbago. Elon Sleesbagano. <laughs> Because he is a sleazebag. <laughs> that, and it actually manages to top Count Dooku. That's pretty good. Ilion Sleazebagano. Yes. That's right. Of bag end. Although I think if you look carefully in the in that bar scene, you can see both Anthony Daniels and Ahmed Best, who plays Jar Jar, as well, extras. That, and you can see Lucas's, Lucas's daughter is in there twice, I think. They give her two shots on oh, camera. Man. Well, I just assume all of the younglings later on are Lucas's kids. Scott McNulty will appreciate this wherever he is. It reminded me of the bar scene in, in Star Trek Three, which is an attempt to create an edgy future bar scene like in Blade Runner or maybe even the original Star Wars. But in fact, it is not that interesting and seems kind of uh, corny. And this reminded me of that. Too. Yeah, there's a lot of Blade Runner-esque imagery with the neon lights. And I'm surprised yeah. they didn't have people with umbrellas with light-up handles. But they came. They went right up to that line. And so, you know, the, the Mos Eisley Cantina reflections with, like, Obi-Wan cutting off someone's arm and the whole... Oh, I, yeah. like, I, I give him that. Too many callbacks. Like, at, at, least, at least that 
that type of thing, having Obi-Wan in a bar and cutting off someone's arm, at least that doesn't involve dialogue. So we're spared. <laughs> we're spared one aspect of the terror that is this movie. We're spared a line okay. of everyone like, oh, this will probably come up again someday. Well, so much of this movie is just mindless callbacks. <sighs> You'll be the death of me. <laughs> oh, and then they try to do the scene where like they show the, the assassin creeping up and you they try to make you think he's creeping up on Anakin instead of creeping up on Obi-Wan. But like it's done so badly. Like that, that cliche. Well, there's of, no like, suspense you know, there either way. Hey, you don't he, care. Someone's creeping up to a door, but it's not the door you think it is. And he opens the door and you realize, that, you know, that yeah. that whole cliche. I, I, we're talking about it. Jason mentioned bad editing. Like, it's just not competently done. Never mind that we don't care about these people and we know how it's going to turn out and there's no actual attention. It's just not done well. Well, it's weird, too, because it's one of the few we were pointing out when watching it that it's one of the few first person camera shots in Star Wars. If there are any at all, like you get a perspective shot from Anakin as he's walking through the bar and you get these wacky sort of moving close ups, which feel very un Star Wars like because we don't see that kind of camera work anywhere else. It's very odd. Now, in the bar scene, we do get a nice window into the importance of the master to Padawan uh, relationship. When Anakin tells Obi-Wan that he thinks that this uh, this person they're chasing may be a shapeshifter, and the solid Jedi Master advice he gets back is, be extra careful. <laughs> That's just good writing, Again, man. Again, Obi-Wan, thanks yeah. a lot, man. That's what my mom says every time I hang up the phone with her. Be, be careful. That's careful. huge. Did Qui-Gon tell you that? Is that how you, <laughs> yeah, that's how how learned you learned it. that? Yeah. See, I'm willing to give Obi-Wan the benefit of the doubt here and say, so like, yeah, all right, be extra careful then. I don't know. I feel I end up feeling bad for Obi-Wan. Most Last movie, he was just a whining, annoying pain. But now Anakin has grown into that role. And most yes. of the time, I feel pretty bad for Obi-Wan, especially later on when he's talking about, like, uh, you know, Mace Windu and Yoda are like, yeah, send Anakin to do this thing. And he's like, guys, he is not ready for that. And they're like, nope, sorry, we're sending him to do this thing. And I'm like, wow, so it really wasn't Obi-Wan's no. fault. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm always looking for like any sympathetic character in this movie. And Obi-Wan is the closest to being sympathetic. I think Ewan McGregor comes the closest to rising above the material, the situations and everything else involved in this movie and trying to make a character that you perhaps have some pity for, if only pity that he has to be in this movie. At least he's now graduated from the Padawan rat tail. Yes. <laughs> Admittedly, it's to the full-fledged force mullet, but at least he doesn't have to carry that braid around. Hey, that is in honor of Qui-Gon Jinn, okay? Uh, can, we, can we do uh, briefly the, the diner scene? I have one note about that with the, the totally superfluous 50s diner, Lucas loves the 50s American But we're not, we're not up to the diner scene yet. Is that right after the, the toxic dart? So they go, yeah. back, the, they go back to Amidala, and, the, and they, have, they, have a, uh, they have a check-in. Um, with the as another interminable scene where people sit on couches and well, talk. Well, so I wanted to mention I, I actually took notes on this part, so I'm by gum I'm going to get them out because they refer to Amidala as the leader of the opposition at one point, which I am completely baffled by because now we've got layers within layers in the Imperial Senate. What is she opposing? She is she opposing the separatists? Is she opposing Palpatine? It doesn't look like it because she's got meetings with him. What is she? She is she like in the blue um, political party, and there's also a red political party, and but they're irrelevant because then there's separatists. I don't understand why she's the leader of anything, let alone an opposition that I don't understand. From what I can understand, and I'm basing this entirely off of the crawl and the little I read off of Wikipedia, it's the um the bill that they talk about that's been voted on in committee for the last two years that she's flown to Coruscant to vote on that we hear about once in the crawl and then never again besides that she's the leader of the opposition for this bill. I guess that's why they're trying to kill her. Well, yeah, the bill itself, I think, has to do with creating a standing army. 
Um, and she's opposed to that, which is hilarious because the clones end up, you know. Well, that's why they talk. They talk once she's out of the picture. They can talk Jar Jar into it, which is part of the plot. I just thought yeah. it, when you've got an opposition and you've also got a, a a rebellion, essentially the separatists, it gets really confusing to throw all these political terms around. And and again, sometimes people defend these movies and say these are movies for kids. It's like, well, if these movies for kids, it's really too damn confusing because I have no idea what's going on here in terms of the politics at all. Um, my other notes here, by the way, are we get some really good crazy Amidala hair here, which is very clearly like, see, this is where her daughter got it. This is where the crazy hairstyles come from. And um, also in this scene, um, everybody keeps referring to how great Anakin is, which I find fascinating because up on the screen, he doesn't seem like he's that great at all. And um, and that and that while they're playing him like he's somebody who's got this dark side who's going to come out, that's always the kind of dream of the the Star Wars backstory is he always had this undercurrent and it it went horribly wrong. I can't read him as anything other than just kind of a spoiled brat who doesn't like it when he doesn't get what he wants, which is, you know, spoiled brat who becomes evil monster is not as exciting or interesting as person with a, a good core and a dark side that gets exploited. But that's how I feel about it is that he just comes across as like a spoiled brat. Oh, yeah. Don't look at me like that. It makes me feel uncomfortable. He could not find a speeder he liked. Okay, I'll keep, I'll keep leering at you and drooling. This is the point that I wrote in my notes. In your pre-prequel Star Wars-related daydreams when you wondered what Anakin Skywalker was like in his youth, <laughs> was petulant little whiner even on your radar? Man. I'm pretty and sure creep, it wasn't. Creepy stalker was definitely not on my radar. It, he is really unloading a lot of crap about Obi-Wan on Padme here. Yeah. Well, especially after he keeps repeatedly telling Obi-Wan, like, you're like a father to me. <laughs> like, again, it's no more plausible in so that that relationship is no more plausible than the relationship between him and Padme, really. You know, he says you're like a father to me. And yeah, OK, there's a little bit of that, like, oh, I'm having going through my teenage rebellion phase. But I don't know. I just I just don't buy it. They don't sound like it. You can't just, also you can't just say that you're like a yeah, father. Exactly. Like, damn it, show me that yeah. he's like a yeah. father. There's in nothing in the movie way. that shows that. Stop telling me. Start doing something. I do think it's interesting <laughs> that that scene, the you're like a father to me scene, comes immediately before he goes and meets with Palpatine. And Palpatine's like, oh, so they're well, yes. finally giving you your real position. Congratulations, would-be son. Wahahaha, I'm evil. Yeah. <laughs> don't mind this hood back here. I don't have it for any particular reason. It's a style. It's a hoodie. They all, all the kids wear them. <laughs> Ian McDermott also putting in, you know, giving a game attempt to continue his role as Palpatine here. He's the only one who has a sensible character arc where well, because he wants he's to evil. rule the galaxy. He's just and evil. He, and he tries to do things to rule the galaxy, aided by the ridiculous script that make all of his plans come to fruition without any real effort on his part. But... It's it's clear what his motivation is. It's clear that he's a bad guy. Uh, so he's got a leg up on almost everyone else in this movie. Yeah. I mean, Dan and I were talking about this while we were watching the end of the movie. And if Palpatine's real goal is to play two sides against the other, it would have been a lot cooler to actually see a lot more of his machinations in this film and in the prior film and really make it be like Anakin may have had some dark side in him. But here is the man who basically corrupted him and destroyed his life while also kind of destroying the entire republic. Like, that's an interesting story, right? You'd have to come up with a plausible scenario for him to turn evil, which, they, as we find out in the third movie, they never, they never yeah, do. Yeah, I never, I never buy Anakin. I never buy him turning evil. One reason for Anakin to, like, start off as a sweet little boy and somehow become, you know, they... They never come up with any reason for him to be evil. Yeah, sure, he's whiny and creepy, but like, how do you? Because Darth Vader 
is not leering. He, Dark Vader has dignity. Anakin has no dignity. And how do you go? Like, there's no, there's no path. There's no connecting between A and B. It's just like he's swept along by the script, and at a certain point, they put him in the mask. And they, anyway, that's the. It's so facile, is the thing with the whole like when he has the political discussion with Padme about like someone should be in charge and just tell everyone what to do. Yeah, maybe not me, but someone. <laughs> no, should. No, I don't really believe that. I kind of believe that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Then that person would decide what to do, and that. That would work very well. Like, like, why would she even like? Again, this is supposed to be attractive. Ooh, having a political discussion. She's into <laughs> politics, right? She's been a senator. She's ruled a planet. He must seem like the dumbest, most naive, yeah. boring, <laughs> creepy, uninteresting. Like, there, there should be no attraction between these people. And yet, on the other hand, the extent of her political savvy uh, is to put Jar Jar in charge <laughs> in her stead. So he's maybe, a duly elected representative, Steve. Maybe please. she hasn't really put a whole lot of thought into this. The um, yeah. I think some of the core problems with Anakin stem from uh, and, and with uh, with uh, Palpatine stem from two decisions made in the first movie, which we talked about a little bit. Which is one, probably having meeting Anakin Skywalker as a little kid is part of the problem because it, it forced them to retcon all sorts of things about when I met your father, he was a great pilot and things like that. So he's a kid pilot. Okay. I, I think that was a mistake. And if we had met him a little bit later, it probably would have made more sense. And that, that story arc might have been, I, I, you know, it's harmed by the fact that we meet him as a little kid. And then the other thing is this decision to make Palpatine's rise and his evilness sort of like secret, which I guess the idea there is, well, it's going to be a real twist when you realize he's the bad guy. <laughs> but, you know, it's... <laughs> It's not, and it's you, not you miss you miss actually seeing him pulling the strings behind the scenes more overtly, but because we still can tell that it's him, but yet he's sidelined. But it makes it makes yep. the Jedi look even more incompetent yes. because it's like we spent the first movie fine. Pretend pretend you didn't know until the end of the first movie. The second movie, everybody knows. Everybody knows except the Jedi. So the Jedi just look stupid, stupid. and incompetent, and not because they're like decadent and lazy. Like that's the story they want to tell. They want to say that oh, the Jedi had become, you know, they, they had lost their their way or whatever no, no the dark side is clouding their judgment well, they've stopped doing lightsaber battles they've been sucked into trade negotiations they just come off as stupid instead like that's that there is a better movie in there you could say about how you know this was the decadent world and the jedi had lost lost their vision of what they're supposed to be doing but instead you just see a bunch of sort of incompetent sort of timid not very smart not very powerful jedi making bad decisions and it's not because they're decadent or because there's some kind of you know they, they've been blinded by their own arrogance none of that is there they're just kind of like do do we're stupid yeah you are you deserve to, to be killed off there's an early line from mace windu where he says dooku was once a jedi he couldn't assassinate anyone. It's not his character. <laughs> How foolish you are. But so is turning to the dark side not a thing yet? I mean, I haven't read a whole lot of the extended no, universe. No, they but... talk about the Sith in episode one. Yeah, but they don't explain why he they let him, like, how do you become a former Jedi? Yeah, he, reti- he retired. He just disappeared? I'm a separatist. Yeah. No, he's known because he's a leader of the separatists. And he know. formed attachments, and that's really the problem. <laughs> After the first movie, when they'd established Anakin as more or less a lovable, well-adjusted, nice little kid who happens to be a slave, and let's not really talk about that, (laughs) once you've started him off on that foot, it's very difficult to get him into a position where he becomes Darth Vader. If you had started him off as, 
like a street kid who was the member of like a street gang and had to live, you know, a, a tough life and learn that might equals right. Like or it's it's so very difficult. No matter what happens, fine. You you someone cheats on you, you think all the Jedi betrayed you or whatever. To extend that into okay, well now I have to kill all the Jedi in the entire galaxy. You have to be like mad with power, power crazy. You have to believe that power is the only thing that's important. You know, like you have to do I don't want to get too much into episode three yeah. type things, but once you start off as as a cute little kid, it's super hard to get him into Darth Vader, and they don't even really make an attempt at it in this movie. They just make him whiny, and they say, well, if you take whiny and r- r- raise it to a large exponential power, it equals Darth Vader, and it yeah. doesn't. We know that Darth Vader was the whiniest of all the villains. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you raise it to a large power, it just gets more whining. This is the problem I have with Anakin in this movie is that we've been told throughout the first trilogy that, you know, he he was heroic. Yes. And so you expect to see somewhere along the course of this film him perform some sort of heroic deed or act in a heroic fashion. And he doesn't. He's basically a knob from start to finish. (laughs) No, he doesn't do anything. He he does very little of any agency whatsoever. I mean, even if you if you add in the last movie, um, his heroic action there was accidentally blowing up a spaceship. Right. Like in terms of episode two, there's not much that he does in here that is active, period. Other than in the other than the fight scenes, yeah, he jumps off of a uh, speeder. The accidental <laughs> Jedi. Even the fight scenes are always fight scenes where other people are like, Anakin, no, don't. Uh, okay, he just got thrown against a wall. Hey, he killed all those sand people. What else do you want from him? Kill some sand people. I killed them all. They travel by refugee transport. We never see that. We covered that earlier. Wait a minute. We do see them. We do see them, and they're briefly in their uh, travel by refugee. And as usual, Padme is wearing some kind of shiny copper headpiece. Yes, weird hair stuff. Yeah. Yes, which is exactly what you expect to see on refugees. Certainly not a senator or a queen. Definitely not to be drawn attention to. Refugees love that stuff. Also, would anybody who is not a Padawan wear a rat tail by choice in this universe? Yes. That's a good point, too, yeah. And we know she knows how to dress down. She did it all through the first movie. That's right. At least Anakin, he sort of looks the part. He's got, like, his his uh, his Jedi poncho on. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he just woke up in the gutter outside of uh, Space Peanuts and Beer. And, uh, yeah, he, he could be a refugee, a- apart from the rat tail. But Padme's got her usual 50 pounds of junk in her hair, and it's just absurd. She thinks she's slumming. Can we that. talk about the droid racism that seems rampant in these movies? <laughs> Can we? R2 just wants to go up and pick up some food. No and droids. He just wants to pick up some food from, like, like maybe the bar you don't want droids because, like, that's a particular environment. But he just wants to go get food and bring it back to them. And the droid who's serving the food's got to give him guff. No, no, get out of here. No droids. He just wants to pick up the food. I mean, the droid can't even eat, right? Like, that's the worst part. It's like, I'm not going to eat them myself because I am a droid. <laughs> Seems unnecessary. They do the unconscionable in in the lead up to this scene. They kind of bag on R two. They're they're walking towards the ship and they're talking That's about right. how they're scared. And the response is, at least we have R two. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, these are the jokes, folks. No, seriously, at least we have R two. He's like the most heroic character that we have in this entire movie. Thank God. Well, that's like me saying, at least I have my GPS unit in my car. I mean, my <laughs> GPS unit can fly and has lasers, but it's still basically just something to move my car around, right? Your GPS stands a better chance of protecting you in a dark room from space centipedes. That's true. <laughs> Sweet. This is true. And then here we are. It's the alien diner where where we meet the weird diner alien who knows everything there is to know about darts. 
Well, yeah, the, the, the one note I have in the scene, because, again, the writing, all I was doing is writing other things, is he says the word cloners. They're cloners. Like, cl- cloners, They're like, cloners. three times Those in five sentences. Pretty good ones, It's like, too. we get it. Like, it, it suddenly turns into Dora. Like, you have to repeat the same <laughs> word. They're cloners. The best cloners. They clone like the clone. We get it. They're cl- we understand. It's in the title of the movie. Like, I don't understand why that scene was there. I don't understand, yeah. other than Lucas's obsession with the 50s, that character we don't care about. He's not interesting. Like, at this point, I also wrote in my notes, too many characters, too many planets, too ma- it's just too yeah. many moving parts. Like a maestro couldn't get these parts to fit together into a cohesive whole, and Lucas is not a maestro. My notes say, cloners, like that means anything. <laughs> um, but, but your Dora reference is, is, a good, is, a, is a good one, John, because who do we ask for help when we don't know which way to go? Say map! Say map! Oh, wait, they took the planet out of the map. We can't say map. <laughs> I thought it was really weird that all the Jedi younglings were all exactly the same height. Hello, younglings. Wouldn't this be a good spot to have some aliens? Like, they had the one red face alien, but they could have weird, no, there's ton of the, weird shapes or an extra tall alien or an extra short yeah, alien. Yeah, they're all kids. They're all just, just Lucas's kids. Oh, they're they're kids they, need, they need them to read as kids. Younglings, are, younglings classes at the Jedi school are sorted by height. Oh, yeah. You know, chlorians are usually present in a certain body type, oh. so... Depending on when they manifest, it's true. I should I should point out um, that that a beloved podcast of mine and John's, uh, the Flophouse, did an episode about Episode Two, and the o- only thing I remember I wanted to mention from their episode about this movie is the point that many of the words used in this movie mm-hmm. are English words, and yet occasionally a word will be changed for no apparent reason other than to make it seem alieny. So we could call these people kids or children, but no. They're younglings. And youngling is a redundant word. Space children. Like, young means one thing, and the suffix ling just means a young version of that. <laughs> young, young, Not young. doing anything. <laughs> What's up, young youngs? But it's space. Space children, come on. Word up, my young youngs. The whole bit with the map is pretty great because it's like not only has it been, you know, the the map has been erased. I like the idea, first of all, that it should be that the planet should be south of another planet. (laughs) That that particularly (laughs) struck a good chord with me. Galactic true north. Yeah, it's three dimensional. He knows exactly where the planet is supposed to be. So why would he not go there? Like, they have spaceships, but the, and he's like legitimately. I just can't figure this one out. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that it was like, what was the point of having that scene in the movie to show that Obi Wan is really, really, really stupid? Like he got no new information. He's like, it's not there. It looks like it's been erased. He already told them gravity is pulling. Like it's not even like a CSI scene where they figure out like something by using computers. I don't under the scenes in this movie that just don't need to be there at all and that someone thought it was a really great idea like oh the the mind of a child is going to tell us some insight no nope he's going to tell you exactly what a three-year-old would know and by doing that he will make you uh, appear dumber than a three-year-old because you are it does give a chance for yoda to slag him by saying he's lost a planet though i was impressed by the efficiency of their library system where you just have to say the name of a planet say it's uh camino and they can immediately say oh that doesn't exist no, asking how it's spelled. The library was one of the few sort of lazy visual design. Because the visual design in these movies, like the ships and everything, is not. I, I think it's reasonably good. But the library, they said, how about we have big walls of like light up book spines? Yeah, that reads as library. See, I'm pretty Go mad that. at the visual design of this movie. Because the whole thing that made the first trilogy cool was that it was lived in. The land speeders looked well, beat th- up. Again, this is supposed to be like the Gilded Age. Yeah, so I give them license to go. But I'm just saying like a library having light up book spines, that is too lazy. Yeah. Sorry. Do, I think we go back to Naboo briefly. 
and we meet the there's the new queen who is in the same it's like they get to reuse the sets and they got the guy with the, the with the goatee and it's full of a planet full of old people and old stuff and of course they are ruled by young girls yeah <laughs> don't be an anakin skywalker yeah creepy no, I, I like when they're wa- when they're walking down the walkway and they have some more sterling dialogue like i agree i think the republic needs you i am glad you chose to serve mm-hmm. and scene Thank you for like, thank you for expressing those sentiments in such a dry, boring fashion. Is this that where your boat is, you. John, or is that in the? Next I think scene? it's somewhere around yeah. here. But like, they're they're talking about like she says that she was in the in the, the legislative youth and that she <laughs> wanted to go in the Senate and and Anakin's like, yes, I agree. I think the Republic needs you. I was <laughs> glad you chose to serve. End of scene. Like that's it. That that's it. Senate sounds like an important word. I'm actually really thinking about the Naboo pl- political system now. <laughs> she said, I wasn't the youngest queen ever elected. So there were younger queens than her. And they might never have kings. I think this is a planet that's always ruled by young teenage <laughs> girls. Yes, I agree. I mean, they f- I mean the, the planet also fell apart, too. So <laughs> I, I would like to believe that, that, that they have decided that the way for them to rule without being encumbered by... Uh, like political dealings and things, just having an innocent uh, a preteen girl sit on the throne for a while and not do much because there's the, the guy with the goatee. There's one scene where they try to establish the sort of tension in the romantic relationship and sort of a, a sparring type thing, like a Han Leia thing, where they're like, I think we should go for the lake country for security and they have this disagreement or whatever. And again, every scene, of the, every scene in this movie, I can put up on the big board saying, I can see what they're trying to do in the scene. They're trying to make this relationship like, it, you know, they're attracted to each other, but they also have a little bit of witty verbal spar- sparring as a form of flirting or whatever. And it totally falls on its face it does not work the writing is bad it does not make me think any of the characters are likable or interesting or clever in any way they just it makes anakin look more petulant it makes her look stupider for tolerating his petulance and it just it it totally fails and like i i wish i could take all these scenes and like pin them up and say this scene was supposed to do this and didn't this scene was supposed to do this and didn't and i don't know what's worse the scenes where they talk and have exposition and sit on couches or the scenes where you can tell what they're trying to do and they totally fail and they just move on they're like well i guess we didn't pull it off next scene please (laughs) nothing to be done we'll just stick it in as it is and hope you forget camino they go to camino it's very rainy this is a planet that's rainy there's lots of water there are also cloners there, I hear. They're cloners, big cloners. Lots of green screens on Camino. Tall, implausibly skinny, long-necked Yeah, cloners. so the Camino aliens are these tall, skinny, white aliens in these, in these long, white corridors. I remember watching this movie the first time and thinking, I, kinda, I really like the look and the art direction of the Camino scenes. That it's rainy, it's kind of atmospheric, it's this very, like, 2001 almost, or some of the scenes in in, in the original trilogy, that it's the kind of, like, all-white aesthetic. And I thought the aliens were interesting and strange, and they have strange voices, and... I, I, I they just, never look like they belong in the scene to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Always. Well, it, well, it's the humans, the humans who don't look like they're standing on anything. They're they're not even planted on anything. Yeah. They're just in the green screen. It's a pleasant cartoon to watch. Yeah, so I liked it originally, 
but but watching it back this time, I was like, oh, it's really not that good. I was hoping <laughs> this would be the thing that I could be like, oh, yay, oh, it's the man. little white long-necked aliens on the rain planet. That'll be fine. And I, I, like, I like the big waves and the big creature that the guy's riding on the back of. I'd like to see the movie featuring those guys. It's yeah. kind of like Avatar before Avatar. And the, the idea of a planet where it's rainy and dark all the time and there are gigantic waves is moody and atmospheric. It's too bad it happened to be, you know, it got trapped in the middle of episode two. And can I say that Obi-Wan is um, among his things that he is not skilled skillful at playing along not a yes. thing he's skillful at he, there's a whole <laughs> lot sort of like yeah. so uh, we expected you what you expected me oh yes yes you did we hope you'll enjoy the army you ordered the the army, army? oh yes <laughs> oh yeah the army totally. i forgot about the army yes oh why right. yes. please tell me who ordered that army just to refresh my memory yeah these cloners are very not very careful they're supposed to be like oh you would think they'd be a little bit more careful on the business things, but like it's the problem that we were talking about with anakin not being a hero what does obi-wan do that's heroic he's sent here to do something heroic like go figure out find this bounty hunter or whatever find him how does obi-wan succeed in his mission through his cunning through his skill through you know his cleverness through through his brute force no, he just falls ass backwards into it because the script yeah, says he should. Luck. He shows Jedi up. Luck. They pull him in. He does a bad job of hiding everything, and they just tell like what he didn't. He wasn't a hero. He didn't do anything heroic. He was just there. You could have you could have sent R two, and R two would have been as successful in this mission. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, except as long as there weren't centipedes around. This is where I had to stop the first time. By the way, at this yeah. point. <laughs> but we got to learn the secret of the stormtroopers, which is that they are all Boba Fett's father. No, no, no. Yeah, so I, I have this later when when we when we load up on stormtroopers, but I can mention it now, which is the clone troopers. On one level, it explains why stor- stormtroopers are so uniform and so lame because they're they've been engineered to follow it's orders and apparently so to miss cheap, their targets though. and things. But I really don't like this retcon. I always I always like the fact that the stormtroopers were you know scary shock troops for the empire, even though yeah they don't shoot as well and they kill they're killed easily but here we've just backed it all out to being these kind of like genetically engineered in order to be um pliable uh versions of Django fett well you have like the droid racism this is the clone racism because all right so they're genetically identical but so are twins why are we supposed this is the excusing the fact that like we're going to kill these guys later but don't feel bad they're just clones they're absolutely 100 percent human they've been engineered to follow orders and be pliable i know but still but they're just they're they're as human as any other human and it's not like i think the empire okay fine the empire is evil and all that stuff but it's like in the movie this is done to excuse later the death of these things like we don't care about like when anakin hops off the the thing and the clones who are piloting there blow up we don't linger on that it's like well they're just clones there's a million of them it's not a big deal and i think it's made worse it's made worse by the clone wars television series which is actually much better than any of these movies mm-hmm. that really humanizes the clones and shows what it's like to be a clone and gumming up like it's it's so terrible for me to see how they treat clones. In this it movie. seems odd to me that we have to watch Boba Fett watch his father die later because he just ends up going into the same line of work as his father being a bounty hunter. So it's not much of an origin story. But it strikes me as odd that after his father's dead, clones of his father are on every planet in the system. <laughs> Yeah, but they're not his dad. But still, yeah, they're, not, they're, they're they're the modified ones. They're mentally they've been mentally handicapped. Isn't that what they say on and, Camino? And that speed they've grown. been, yeah. Well, they've just been made compliant. Yeah, but for the kid, if you ever see a stormtrooper without his helmet on, 
oh my god, that's dad. Yeah, it looks like your dad. Well, but but it looks like him too because he's also a clone of his dad. Yes, so right, he's going to grow right. up to look exactly like his father. Yeah. That's why he's so messed up and he it, becomes. A it's it's not really his father. Guy. It's his it's his brother. It's his twin. Really, it's yeah. The the clone thing when it really got to me was at the end where I realized. Hey, we're supposed to be rooting for the Jedi who are willingly sending living beings who have been genetically engineered to be compliant into battle to be killed, slaughtered by a bunch of robots. Well, again, and, in the Clone Wars TV series, that relationship between the Jedi and the clones is like that tension is it kills me that this Cartoon Network show has so much more nuance and interest than these than these multi-million dollar movies. But the Jedi have a relationship with the leaders of the clone armies. And I think I kind of read in the television series, the Jedi feel kind of bad about this whole we're commanding you and we're in this together. And they're like, you could have done something like that in this movie to show the Jedi were uncomfortable with this, that they had a relationship with them in the battle, that it didn't treat them just like a machine that you can give orders to. Because it kind of makes sense that the humans treat the droids as just machines because they just believe there's no strong AI. And that was one throwaway line in this movie that I actually kind of liked where they said, well, if they had machines that would think there wouldn't be any of us here. I'm like, A, that would be a blessing. And B, that's kind of a clever comment on AI. But, you know, I've seen three C-3PO and R2 and they actually seem like they're thinking to me. So maybe you should open your eyes. You fought in the Clone Wars? Wow, the Clone Wars sound like they're really cool. No, actually, it's just we made lots of photocopies of this one guy <laughs> and made a giant army. It was, it was sort of like good. just droids fighting droids, to be honest with you. It wasn't that big a deal. Yeah, and, th- and then we ran them into the droids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because the droids is your excuse of like, oh, we don't care in the first movie that the droids are dying. And now, well, clones versus droids, don't you? It's a kind of a wash, right? Eh, they're all the same. They die. Who cares? When I say I fought in the Clone Wars, what I mean, mean is... I sat over here and watched that <laughs> army and that army fight. Yeah, it's like very similar. Okay, I want to I want to paint a little word picture for you guys because I I want to take you back to when I met my wife and the thing that made her fall in love with me is I said to her, you know, I don't like <laughs> sand. <laughs> here, everything's soft and smooth. <laughs> Unlike me. What a line. What? A li- that is like one of the greatest lines ever. You have to couple it with a caress, Jason. That's the key. Well, I did. I did at the time. And the amazing thing is it totally works. That is just yes. the greatest line in the history of romance. I, mean, I don't you like can just see all, all the women in the audience here swooning oh, by that I point, like aren't they? Saying, oh. And when he would say, that's soft like you. And that, like I expected her to shrink from his touch and or to run <laughs> screaming away. But no, she's like, this is such a turn on. Okay. Let's ask <laughs> Let's ask our our. Uh, our our expert, our, our, our woman panelist, Serenity, <laughs> what are your feelings about sand? Uh, <laughs> you don't you don't like sand? I don't think she likes it. Oh, yeah, it gets heavy. No, I, oh, God, I can't even, <laughs> like, I, but here, I tune so out when those lines are being, well, it's the, uh, I, I can't even form coherent sentences about this, <laughs> because not only is it pair, you know, the dialogue is, not fantastic, especially you have this beautiful <laughs> landscape, right? You have this beautiful, it's wonderful Italy. Italian landscape, Etruscan art. Um, and then you have this horrible dialogue. And then you have this horrible dialogue while Anakin's hand is ever yeah. so subtly first snaking up your hand and then Subtle. suddenly finding itself on your back and like slowly <laughs> caress. I mean – you look at Natalie Portman's face and it is stone cold. Yeah. That's the kind of face you put on when someone's come up to you and they're super drunk and they look like they're, you know, that you can't really fight them, but you're not really sh- – it's it's a coiled snake Shields up. expression. Yeah, exactly. Shields up. When he goes in for the kiss, he pauses an inch away from her face and her face doesn't <laughs> move. 
And then they hold on that for he 20 her, seconds. It's really creepy. And it's Sherlock. <laughs> He's Magnuson. That's the that's the theory. The trick. This is not the bit where they actually kiss, is it? I mean, this happens a little uh, bit later. No, I think. Well, according to my, I think this is according similar, to my notes. Like, those are right this is next when to each they other. kiss. Well, yeah, he, he, this they, is when they kiss. They kiss, but this is the no, no. We can't do this. Well, this is this is this <laughs> because you creep me out. Yeah, is is Monty Python level hilarious because <laughs> as they're kissing, there's this huge swell of dramatic music, and then she breaks away and says no, and it just cuts short. Yeah. <laughs> it is totally like something out of Life of Brian. Damn John Williams for making such nice music to go with I such know. an incredibly terrible movie. Yes. Because the music Music's itself great. stands on its own. It's fine. Like, it has a Star Wars feel, but kind of an old-timey classic feel. And it's like, that music is in this movie, and it just kills me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, John it's Williams. It's like he's in your very soul, t- tormenting you. <laughs> oh, God. Like, if you had to make a parody of this, like, if you're trying to do, like, scary movie, like, we're going to make the lines sound really dumb and dorky, because, like, say this movie came out and the the love scene lines were kind of embarrassing and stilted. You can make a parody of it. I don't think you can parody these lines. There's no way you can make them more stilted, less believable, less creepy. And same thing with the acting. Can you get a parody actor to make a creepy, leering half smile that's any worse than the one Hannigan makes for this entire movie? I don't think you can. We really haven't talked much about Hayden Christensen's general acting capability, but I think it, it might be it might be wise to discuss that a little bit. Well, it's hard to tell when this is your major barometer. He's good at acting creepy. As, a, as an actor, I think Hayden Christensen acquits Jake Lloyd quite well. <laughs> at least Jake Lloyd had a personality. Yeah. No, no. I, Hayden has exactly two facial expressions. He's got sexual predator and he's got <laughs> severely constipated. And he alternates between them just completely at random. It's like he's throwing a die inside his head. And he's, oh, it's it's smirk time. So now by all by all accounts, he's good in Shattered Glass, but he's uh, playing a creep in that movie. Oh, okay, so <laughs> he may he may have been typecast. Yeah, and he seems to have only ever read about how actual humans talk. Although that could be the director's fault. Yeah, I mean, if you only saw these other actors in this movie. I don't think you would give them much credence. I mean, like Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, Samuel L. Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Samuel he's, L. Jackson. He's terrible in this movie. He's asleep. And he loves Star Wars and is really excited to be in the movie and talked himself into a bigger part. And yet, even he. My favorite scene is him coming into the to to uh, Yoda when like Yoda's sensing Anakin in pain, and he comes in, and he sits on the little couch thing, and he like crosses <laughs> his knees. Yeah. He's like, "So, what you What's thinking? Up? What's going on?" <laughs> Are we sitting on pillows now? It's important for me to be in the scene for some reason because I have a purple lightsaber. So here I am. Let's uh, talk exposition. Would you like to join the Avengers? <laughs> That's oh. right. <laughs> uh, I think did we skip over the douche commercial because my wife really wanted us to talk about that. <laughs> Please be more specific. <laughs> the one, the one where they're in front of the waterfalls and the giant, the giant uh, mammalian ticks are there. I mean, it's such a beautiful scene. They decide to put horse-sized ticks. Oh yeah, so, so in the scene. Here's the. Oh, well, I have the. We 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 listen to Anakin's <laughs> political theory, which has to, which essentially is uh, where he's endorsing the campaign of Vladimir Putin. I think we need a strong <laughs> leader here. Really deep uh, political thought from Anakin Skywalker. Which to the point, the woman who grew up doing all of the model UN stuff on Naboo and became the queen and all might want to call him on his BS there. But apparently, she's just is so in love with him. That's that adorable. His, his stupid things. She's like, okay, whatever. And then what does he do for his encore? He rides a pig cow and falls off of it. In my notes, that's referenced as the capering, oh God, the capering. 
and and have we not learned that having people jump on top of CG things, even when it's a CG person, like I'm thinking of Legolas jumping on the the cave troll in Fellowship, where it was a computerized Legolas. There's just something super, super, super duper fake about having a human, computer or otherwise, jump onto a creature. Like it never looks like they're connected to the thing they're jumping onto. They're kind of like. It's like a video game where they don't have good collision detection and you're kind of on top of the creature. You could say the same thing about Anakin and Padme. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Zing. And like, I don't know. I don't understand why that was in that scene. Like, they need to show them rolling around on the grass and falling in love. And they're go- And again, you know exactly what this scene is supposed to be besides a Summer's Eve commercial. And it fails. It fails <laughs> to make you think they're falling in love. It fails to convince you that there's any reason that, that A, any human should ever love either one of these people and B, that they would love each other. I was going to point out that if, if she's trying to dissuade Anakin from mooning after her, lounging about in the firelight in her leather corset seems like kind of a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I've got my bondage outfit on. Let's talk about how we can't be together. <laughs> Let's talk about politics. <laughs> Mixed signals. Yeah. So tell me more about your political theories. I want to hear more about that now. Not cool. Not cool. Uh, that's where Anakin goes, I'm in agony. I'm like, it's just blue balls, dude. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, seriously, that's, that's his line. He's, he's only 18, man. He can't have gone through it. Look, it's, up until this point, it's been all Gundar Pits and Obi-Wan, so Blue Balls might be a kind of new experience for him. But, like, seriously, like, if you're going to read his character as in any way realistic, that he's creepy, he's leering, and he's super-duper horny because he's been living a life of the Jedi, <laughs> and I, the people who play off of him don't make any sense. They don't react to him the way anyone would react to this character, but he is a consistent character. It's just a terrible character that's just... The other people in the movie are seeing a different character. Maybe it's two timelines that are mixed. Like the city in the city, it's it's a lot worse. It's space blue balls. Those are those are the far worst. More in space blue balls. No one can hear you. They should use the power of the forest to do something about that. Could they well, yeah. It? I think this is the best line in the entire movie. In this scene, he says, "Believe me, I wish that I could just wish away my feelings." <laughs> I can't even read. I can't even read. <laughs> From my notes with a straight face, I wish that I could wish just wish away my feelings, but I can't. But I can't. Were that I could wish to... away my feelings for wish away them, I would. No, he's, he's got wish. Wish is in the sentence twice. I That's wish that wish. I could wish away. Yeah. Like, who's letting that through? Sorry, Master Anakin, you've used two wishes. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> he just needs to use the Jedi pants trick. What? Ooh. All right. Um, let's move on. <laughs> To oh god, this is I, I I fell into the pit of despair here because it's really because we we get some intercutting back and forth at this point. We've got just taught uh, conversations between again um, the guy who can't play along Obi Wan Kenobi and Boba Fett. There's a, a something right out of a James Bond movie, which is like, "Hello, I am here to meet you. I don't know what you're talking about. I have you been to Coruscant? Maybe." Has it been recently? I don't know. Hey, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. So that's a great line. Son, close that door that has my evil poison dart armor in it. Wink. Your clones are very impressive. You must be proud. <laughs> Incidentally, that is a far better pickup line than I don't like Sam. <laughs> I don't know. The Sam line kind of worked. This is all I'm saying. And it gets everywhere. I really do do like there's a uh, so so when uh, Obi-Wan makes his phone call from Camino, his hologram phone call in the rain. I love that he's standing in the rain. Yeah, why is he standing in the rain making the hologram? Get in the ship and make the call. He's just being wet for no reason. He's just miserable. Go back in the hallway and call. We only have an external hologram speakerphone on this ship. It does not come with an internal speakerphone. 
That is on the new model. He could not afford the new model. The communication technology is very bad in this world, especially considering Jedi can sense murder half a galaxy away. <laughs> but not centipedes in the next room. Or pain. They, yeah, they have a hard time. Can relay this call through through uh, through Anakin in Kamino, and he's cold and he's standing outside. I think to get a better signal, he's outside. He gets an extra bar on his hologram phone outside. Well, the, the, he uses the uh, the vegetable strainer to get a better signal. It pops out of his ship. <laughs> It's like a bamboo steamer or something. Uh, there is a nice moment where um, Yoda brings up um, Mace Windu short because doesn't doesn't he say something like, we need to tell the Senate that we don't know what the hell the Jedi are doing. Our abilities are d- diminished now. We need to let them know. And he says, no, we should keep that to ourselves. Why would we reveal your weakness there? No, we can't do that. Also, isn't this the first that we've heard of it? We're like at the midpoint through this trilogy now. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. what? What's going on with the Jedi? Powers seem fine to me. We've lost our ability to use the Force or something. We've become dumb yeah. for some reason. The script is making <laughs> should, us dumb. Should we let the council know? Duh, I don't know. Your apprentice is the one who has prophesied to return competence to the Force. <laughs> so Anakin is, is, um, is supposed to stay. He's been given strict orders to stay on Naboo and, and protect Amidala, but he has a dream that he needs to go to Tatooine and find his mom. Oh, that, that's does. a great scene, that, that dream scene where they, they show him in the covers going, no, no, this is the dream scene. I must shake back and forth, kind of. But And then this, then the scene ends. He doesn't wake up. He doesn't have a revelation. We don't see his dream. That's the entire scene. Yep. It was cheap, though. <laughs> had a premonition that his mother, who has been a slave for his entire life, <laughs> right. might be having a bad time. This Jedi Academy is apparently so strict that, can I go home and visit my mother who's a slave? No, never. Call Actually, her on the just, hologram phone. Nope. Can't talk to her. Can't see her. You have to leave her as a slave. Right. <laughs> right? You can't, you can't like, hey, I'm a Jedi now. Maybe I could go back and, like, make her not a slave. Sorry, we don't, we don't get reception on Tatooine, so. You can't go back from one of those border disputes and just stop by Tatooine and see how your mom the slave mom. is doing. It's the prime directive of the prequels. No interfering with. The, uh, the, the culture script. of your own actual planet where your mother lives. Can't we just stop by? It's on the way to Coruscant. No. Nope. Sorry. No. Nope. Can't go there. So he plays hooky. He plays space hooky and goes there. Um, and meanwhile, we get a fight on Kamino between Boba Fett and, or sorry, with Jango Fett. This is the Boba Fett fight we never got to really see. The really great, like, where he gets Boba to shoot Fett the fight. rocket from you, his you backpack. You think this is a great scene? Cause, no, no I, don't, I don't. I'm thinking that's the point of the scene. Right, the point of the scene is finally a knockdown dragout between Boba Fett or okay Jango Fett and a Jedi. Finally, we didn't get this in the original trilogy, but here we're going to lay it all out for you. In this scene, there's a moment when Jango is attached to Obi Wan by a uh, string of some sort. Cable. Yes, and uh, Jango flies off the ledge, and Obi Wan practically looks straight in the camera and says, <laughs> "Oh, That's not, not good. good," before he gets yanked. <laughs> It's cartoon writing. That's my favorite line in the whole movie. What are you talking about? Oh, not good. <laughs> I'm talking about I hate it. <laughs> I'm impressed with the fact that, that, that Obi-Wan falls off that ledge while tied up at the wrist, somehow manages and, and not to dislocate yeah. either of no. his wrists or break them on the tensile metal cable. He stops himself with a string. Yeah, it's, it's like the, It would have cut through his hands like dental floss. It was like Jedi piano power. wire, practically, that he's, he saved himself with. No, neither neither one of these supposedly amazingly competent warriors comes off looking powerful or smart in this oh. fight scene. It's, it's, it's the rain. Very it's the rain. sloppy. Lots of, lots of unforced errors. Mm-hmm. Very bad strategy. <laughs> Jedi kung fu kicks. 
Boba Fett has a good idea to shoot him with the ship. That's a reasonable good idea for the kid. He's the only one who looks like he has a little bit of initiative. But their their strategies for fighting each other are terrible, especially since Jedi's powers wax and wane throughout this entire prequel series of like, you know, well, you you could just use your force to, you know, chuck him off into the ocean where he'll drown. Yeah, yeah, but no, I think we'll 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 have fisticuffs instead. Well, you have to you have to disable his lightsaber, too, right? In the first two seconds of the fight or else it it ends up very, you know, uninteresting very quickly. Well, that's really easy to do because those guys do not hold on to their lightsabers at all. And of course, they always forget that they can use the force to pick them back up. Yeah, he does it later on, but not here. It's, you know, it's raining. His force powers don't work as well in the rain. It's yeah. high moisture in the air, density. Sure, that explains why somebody from a desert planet has high midichlorians. Yes. <laughs> Although I have to say, as the Django-Obi fight continues, once they get into space, I think it got a little bit more interesting because I remember liking, and the first time I saw this and I liked it again, when Django's ship is chasing him, it fires constantly. At the, like, and that's exactly what you would expect. Like when you're playing a Star Wars video game, you don't just fire like blast, blast, fly, blast, blast. You just hit that fire button like crazy. So it would make sense that the bounty hunter ship would be modified to just shoot lasers like crazy. And as he's chasing Obi-Wan, he's not just firing once and Obi-Wan will dodge and fire once, it's just constant firing. And I thought that was an appropriate appropriate armament for the, for the ship. It made it look like Obi-Wan was in some amount of danger and it made Jango Fett look like an actual competent bounty hunter. And it made it made Obi-Wan look skilled for escaping. I kind of like the seismic bombs in the asteroid. Yep. Like, I actually, I like the impressive. sound effect. Like, yeah, again, yeah. Ben Burt at his, at his finest doing some really cool work there. But, I mean, it also kind of feels like a rehash of Empire, right? Like, with the flying around the asteroid. It is, but, like, when I came to these scenes in the movie that looked like they were, oh, this is a chase scene, I'm like, oh, thank God, a, ch- a scene that makes some kind of narrative sense. I that need to catch this guy. guy yeah. <laughs> and he's going to try to kill him, and he's going to leave when he thinks he's dead, and the guy's clever for making him think he's dead. And it makes sense. The asteroid scene is another of those things that makes me think this movie is just composed of things from previous movies, but Lucas has no idea what people liked and didn't like. Right. So they'll say, here's an exciting scene with a bar, a bunch of aliens. You guys like that? Oh, here's Baru. You guys like Baru, right? (laughs) (laughs) We changed the color of the milk. It's brown now, not blue. That's blue later. Oh, but we get a blue milk later. Yeah. I always liked fixing things. (laughs) <laughs> the whole point of having Django Fett be the father of the clones is because Lucas couldn't figure out another way to put Boba Fett in the yeah, movie. Right. So he just put his dad in. It's still Boba Fett. Right? Wearing the same like hat. <laughs> I mean, Boba Fett's still in the movie. He's just like seven. Yeah. yeah. You, love, you love when we have kid versions of characters. Of you guys here. love that. It's great. <laughs> Baby Bobas. You said you liked Boba Fett. This character is called Boba Fett. You like this character. Come on, guys. By the way, the word seismic <laughs> pertaining to or caused by an earthquake or vibration of the earth. Yeah. Well, it's it's an asteroid. Well, if you're going to be like that, we shouldn't hear the sound at all. Yeah, but they explode in the air. Not the air. It's space. Maybe it's a brand name like Kleenex. Well, in the lack of air. They explode in the lack of air. Still not earth. Yeah, they still they sound kind of cool. It's like a, somebody with a really big guitar I mean, played a yeah, guitar it, string. It's a cool scene. If you slow down for a second, you'll notice things like Obi-Wan saying... Seismic bombs. Hang on. He's talking to something that's literally bolted to the ship. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of things, speaking of things that are like uh, from other movies that he thought would be a good idea. This is a theme in all of episode two, and it was my strongest impression upon first seeing the movie in the theater. Is that uh, Lucas splits the party, and he does that in Empire as well. Like you have some main characters. You try to establish their relationships to each other in the beginning of the movie, and fails in this movie, and then you split them apart. 
but boy, what a difference when you split off. Like Luke had to go to Yoda, and he had an actual mission. He's doing stuff, and and Han and Leia are having their relationship while they run from the Empire and everything. Here, you send Obi Wan off with R four. No offense to R four, but there is no <laughs> shared history between Obi Wan and R four. R four is boring. R four is no one that you would ever want to see or talk to. And Obi Wan is forced to spend the majority of the middle of this movie saying inane things to R four, mm-hmm. who we don't care about, who he has no relationship with. And I feel so bad for him. You and McGregor spending the middle part of this movie talking to an inanimate lump of metal without personality. <laughs> they even reused the sound effects for the droid for the R4. Those were sound effects that weren't used in the original, like they were in stuff that was cut out of the original movies. We're like, hey, we got these on tape somewhere. Just import those. We'll just use those. It's cool. Well, we don't have to add another actor. That's what I feel like is the, is the low point in this movie, and that's really saying something, is when he's on Geonosis and he's sitting there in a CG, like, Grand Canyon thing, talking to R4's red head. I'm like, yep. oh, God. I'm so, I feel so bad for you. I was going to say that R4 is more animate than any of the other characters in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> more R4. We should talk, speaking of rehashing things from previous movies, we go to back to Tatooine, and we yes. get to see Mos Eisley Spaceport. We yes. get to see Watto again. Hey, hey, everybody, it's Annie. Are you back? We, everybody wanted to see Annie. Him. Hey, it's my old slave. <laughs> it's Annie. You liked Watto, right? It's Look, you. He's uh, back. And his petness. Sure. She still looks like a harem girl, even though she's trying to look inconspicuous. That seems kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I used to own you, remember? Ah, good, good times. times. Yeah. <laughs> remember the way we used to whip you? That was an awesome time. <laughs> I sold your mother. That's not a problem, is it? Okay. No. Go kill someone oh, wait, else. Guys, I'll give you her number. S- you can call Sitcom. Her. Oh, this is a sitcom opportunity. How I Sold Your Mother. It's like 100 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, and, and we find out, we, we go and we, we, we meet her husband and his, what, his, his son and his girlfriend, I guess. Yes. Who, hey, again, like you said, you like Baru and Owen, right? Right? She doesn't even get a line. Also, in the uh, in the underused uh, great uh, Australian actors, both Joel Edgerton, who plays Owen, and Rose Byrne, who plays Padme's handmaiden, who right. have both gone on to way better way things better than friends. this. This is where also we learn, I think for the first time, that Anakin's mother's name is Shmi. 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 And I wrote down one note in this entire <laughs> sequence, and it's just this. It's a Shmi. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, the things we do to get through. I think it's really weird that Anakin wants to go kill the Sand People, but has nothing against the guy who bought and then married his mother. Because that's creepy. Yeah, that's kind of it's like it's like a Tatooine mail order wife. Well, Watto says he freed her, but after buying her. No, he bu- he bought her. You can't her free her unless her. you buy her. Come on. Yeah, I gotta oh. assume that it was. Oh, I've fallen in love with you. You're such a wonderful woman. I'm right. going to free you from this horrible lifestyle. It just had to be done off camera married. because he can't write that. I bought you to put the blue in the milk and to fix the moisture evaporators, but it turns out I love you. Can't you see it? I love you. <laughs> so here, so what's the deal? The sand people are another uncomfortable thing here because in episode one and a little bit in, I guess, in New Hope, like they're kind of like comical people of the sand. Oh, look at them taking pot shots at the at the pod racers, yeah. and they're they try to scare people with their noises. But then Obi Wan comes out and scares them. But here, I, they're guess they're, they're kidnapping humans from from the civilized part of. Tatooine to keep them as what sex slaves i don't know what they like why would they want her why would or they food? keep her alive and, and cha- she was chained up there for like a, like a month or something and like you know 
I, what were they doing with her during that time? It doesn't. Yeah, they seem I had that same much... thought, and I stifled it quickly. It reads like a bad western, right? Like in like a simplistic view of like, oh, you know, our nice white folk were kidnapped, right? Like it's it's weird and uncomfortable. There's an uncomfortable parallel there that seems just very simplistic and bizarre. Like let's let's just reduce these people to savages, basically. But to what end? Like they don't want to go all the way and say they've they've taken her as a sex slave, but they just say they're like yeah, animals, Dan. They're like animals. It's so because it, this movie like dips towards the darkness, but it, it shies away a lot of times. And I think the other part of it is it's sort of what we saw with the clones and the droids, which is you want this to be a dark thing with Anakin killing these people, but you also don't want them to people like the audience to feel too bad because you still need to view this guy as the main character. Yeah. If those were like, you know, people who, with like faces that you could see you would have a really hard time coming back from that. But they need to somehow soften that, and their answer is, let's just make them aliens. Also, she dies as soon, she dies as, soon as he finds her. Yeah. Cause of death? The script. No, no, not, not quite as soon. She <laughs> has a chance to say, I, I love... Oh! Well, who does she love? We never find out who she loves. It's just a mystery. A mystery of this movie. She loves Lars. Let's be fair. Pizza! Pizza! I love pizza! No, no, you know what she was going to say, and this is the irony of it. She was going to say, I love sand. <laughs> I love sand. I've never understood your disliking of sand. I love it. It's it. like the, the most emotion-free mother-son death scene ever recorded in, in moving pictures. <laughs> Like, because we don't, we don't, we haven't seen her the whole movie. We don't, I mean, I guess you kind of buy uh, his love for his mother, but if you loved her so much, why didn't you visit before? There's no explanation for that. And she's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just glad you're here. I don't care that you've never visited me. And I'm, it just makes no sense. We haven't seen her the whole movie. And she was just a non entity in the first movie, too. I didn't understand his whole line about how they were animals and I slaughtered them like animals. I mean,. Okay, that's how it lines up. If they're animals and <laughs> slaughter them that's like animals, what are you whining about? You well, like, I like to slaughter my animals more like uh, vegetables. <laughs> it's just what I do. I just put them in a food processor, press the button, pulse. But it, it is it is that moment that gets you questioning Padme's own rationales, right? Like because she goes and she sleeps with him after this point, <laughs> right? And she, it's such a, it's such a turn on. Like he's not even a plausible bad boy. Ooh, you killed women and children. I'm getting all hot. What are you talking about? Like it doesn't make any sense. It's not even. It's a turn. I mean, it's like okay, I guess if you do some bad things and you put it into they, she says like, oh, they killed your mother, right? And it's like, like, well, it's okay. I guess, but if you, you know, people killed my mother, and then like I went and killed not only the people responsible, but like the women and the children and their dogs the that village. were playing around the fire. <laughs> you know, I like to think somebody might you know disturb, interpret that as a warning Too sign. Far, she's she's very understanding. She's like, Matt seems reasonable. In Padme's defense, she does take this opportunity to, to utter the most self-aware line in the entire film, which is. Sometimes there are things no one can fix. Oh, so, so, so true. But things make more sense when, when he can fix them. Speaking of lines with oh. no subtext, that, that scene, I'm good at fixing things. Yeah. Uh, she's read the script, apparently. Well, he, said, he also says in that scene, I wasn't, or, I wasn't strong enough to save you, Mom. Not demonstrated. What do you mean you aren't strong enough? What, strength to visit her? Strength? <laughs> like, there was no scene in which your strength nope. was tested and no. failed, and that's why Johnny's going to become the most powerful Jedi in the world, and someday he will even be able to stop people from dying. Right. But like, he spells it out for you. What more do you want? <laughs> I think you caused her death by showing up because once you showed up, the script she said, died. and now she has yeah. to die. Such an yeah. end of climax. What a weird choice to have her be here and have her be already be taken 
and then she dies when he finds her, but they have a moment. It just seems like such a strange. Everything's off screen. She didn't want to die to... until she saw her her son yeah, one yeah, last yeah. time. She yeah. died of a broken heart, and then he has this the great writing of to, to really express his catharsis and emotion at her grave. He says, "I miss you so much." That's right. <laughs> Good job, George. Good job. Almost as much as I did for the last ten years. And then he steals his old droid. This is all very exciting, but I want to cut across the universe. Deep inside the mysterious planet of Geonosis, where we've just barely escaped with our lives, us being apparently Obi-Wan Kenobi and that boring droid, and deep <laughs> down inside the planet, he's landed in a, uh, in a strange location and, and entered sneakily using his Jedi powers, and what, he listens and what does he hear? He hears that guy from the Trade Federation talking about treaties. The Trade Federation guys. Hooray. That's damning stuff. Treaties. Gun race here. This movie's looking up. <laughs> plus, plus Saruman the White from Lord of the Rings, which is very right. exciting. Love that Well, guy. but how, how does he get in? Does he sneak in? He kind of walks quietly, I guess. He basically just walks in. Like, he, he uses the same cunning that your sister uses to eavesdrop on you. That's basically what he It's actually the same cunning that, um, that when, when uh, he does his call... Uh, and Anakin and to, to Anakin and Padme to come and get him to because he needs a ride yeah. and um and by the way Anakin's like no 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 um I can't go they told me not to go and, and Padme's like what now I have to talk you into following orders we're here because you disobeyed orders why would we not go there it, it doesn't really make well, any but sense. Samuel L Jackson told him to and you got to listen when Samuel L Jackson tells but you but when those guys get to Geonosis they just find like a steam vent hole and just drop right into it and get out and the steam is apparently not burning. Well, anything. that's also a landing pad, apparently. It's conveniently located beneath the steam hole. And then you literally stroll out of the steam vent hole, and there's a door, and you walk, and you're in the complex. So this is not a really high-security area, is what I'm saying. But I just I love the fact that when, when we finally, finally, it is all revealed, it's Newt Gunray talking about treaties. Why? And then, as you were about to point out, he steps outside, and within clear earshot of all the people <laughs> making their Make, treaties, he makes a phone begins call. yelling into his transmitter. <laughs> because yeah. apparently I found him. I found range. him. You gotta get here. Hey, here's an idea, Obi. Uh, how to cope with the fact that you're outside a transmit range? I don't know. Maybe get the hell off the planet. Yeah, take Just off. Just a thought. Your ship goes faster than light. Maybe that would help. <laughs> Only when it's attached to that ring. Well, it doesn't at the moment because it's it doesn't have the O ring at the moment. So. <sighs> I cut back to Coruscant briefly here for a for a discussion of the Chancellor getting emergency powers and everything. And the the, the hilarious thing about this that I didn't realize the first couple of times I saw this movie is it's it's played as if the difficult part of getting the Chancellor emergency powers is merely getting some senator to propose the it's, amendment. Again, yeah. no no recognition of how actual politics might work and how you might use your influence to form coalitions and decide that this person wants this and that person wants that and use the corruption of them or right. blackmail people or, or whatever. Padme's, Padme's role in the opposition, if Padme were to crack and swing her vote to this side, then it would finally happen. Right. And then pa so Palpatine gets up there and he says, like, uh, again, I didn't notice this in until this time that when he's giving his little speech the vote hasn't taken place yet Jar Jar has been convinced or whatever through like you know saying that he's chicken to propose the amendment and then Palpatine gets up there and he says he says what his first act would be before everyone votes on it. he says if you elect me chancellor future tense my first act will be to form a grand army of the republic but everybody's watching you think yeah, and everyone's cheering, like, so if was... you already agree with what he's going to do with his emergency powers, why don't you just vote to make an army of the Republic? He doesn't need emergency powers if everyone already agrees with what he's well, going to do. More to the do. point, aren't we already told that Darth Sidious is controlling a big part of the Senate, too? Yes. Like, he probably could have just found a guy. He's like, hey, you, 
Yeah, nominate me for emergency powers. Propose the amendment. It's got majority support. Like, but it, it doesn't make sense from the Senate's perspective. No, no, John, you don't you don't understand just how um, big a deal it is that Jar Jar Binks has uh, has 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 moved to vote on this amendment. It's huge. Jar Jar Binks has blood he, he on his hands. He merely proposes it. He yes. just says, and this is the irony of the prequels. Jar Jar Binks ruins everything because he's a dummy. He is the reason why the Empire comes to be. Jar Jar Binks. Or you could say Amidala's bad uh, delegation to uh, Jar Jar. I, I don't know if George Lucas has ever seen, uh, ever knows what real politics are like. <laughs> Maybe someone should make him watch House of Cards to say, like, C- this is or C-SPAN. <laughs> yeah, or anything. Like, take a social studies course. I'm just begging him. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, political Nonsensical. science 101 would be good. So, so Palpatine takes over, and my note there is this would be more exciting if it weren't so bureaucratic. It's literally like, I am now the supreme leader of this republic. Um, what forms do I need to fill out now? There's like scattered applause from the various assembled senators. Hey, forms, taxation. He's, he's, he's appointing the sanitation commissioner for people who donated a lot to his campaign. The dog catcher will be replaced. When I say I'm going to form a grand army, I mean, ooh, look, it's convenient. These guys already have an army that we ordered 10 years ago and totally forgot about. Yes, is anybody surprised by that when they suddenly appear after like a week? They're like, wow, you guys are good. I know these guys are good cloners. They're, good. they're great cloners. They're cloners. Well, it's a big galaxy. And it's been going on for 10 years, but uh, apparently they're almost ready. Yep, no, they, were, they, were, they were more than ready. They were wondering if you were ever going to come. Also, this is the point at which I wonder if he's teetering on the brink of controlling the Senate already. What's the point of the big war between the robots and the clones that he's totally orchestrated? It's just That's awesome. to justify just the fun. creation of the clone army itself, right. so then he can use them as stormtroopers. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the what's supposed to be happening here is there's a great debate about whether they should form an army or not, because the Jedi have been good enough. And the Jedi are saying, no, 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 we can't do this, especially, and then extra pressure is put on the Jedi by the forming of this separatist group. And the Jedi are like, we can't look, we can't handle this, these guys are going to break away. If there's a conflict, we're not going to be able to um, to fight the war with these guys, and they've got all their droids. And so it's supposed to f- come up with this false the you know false threat just it's a phantom menace again uh this it's phantomer this time and <laughs> um and and so the robot the droid army is the false threat and so he's going to have this uh clone army at the ready so that when everybody's convinced then he can bring in his clone army and when they sweep away these l- losers who are not very good with their clone army because newt gunray not a guy who you really have a high confidence in then he oh look i've got my big army now and then he can proceed to use them to take over the whole republic well, wait, wait 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 here's an idea skip the droids Hmm? Still build the clone army and then just take erase over. the clone take planet over. <laughs> from the Jedi archive. Let the Senate vote you uh, Chancellor power, Supreme powers, and then just you know proceed from there. You don't even take need over. the Supreme powers. Yep. Just tell your army to come in and take over. He d- dissolves. He dissolves well, the point. Senate in a New Hope anyway. And it's not yep. like it's not like his army is. Also, what was the whole point of having the dead Jedi who ordered the army in the first place? Oh, I think it was just a name that. Presumably, Sidious or Pal- or Palpatine or or yeah. someone used yeah, to I place assume, the order. I assume Christopher Lee placed the order, 
but used a, an assumed name. I'm just saying, like, it's not like they clearly didn't back check it. So, like, why did it matter? No, there's no credit check. They could have given him any name. He's good for it. I'm sure the fact that the guy's name is Cipher didn't set off any alarm bells or anything. <laughs> he's, he's good for it. He's good for it. The Jedi, Jedi, pay Master made up Jedi. Yeah, you know, Master made up Jedi. He's great. Lannisters pay their debts. Jedi's pay their bills. Oh, he was he was a real Jedi. They just used the, the name of a dead Jedi, right? That's yeah. Well, yeah. I just that. didn't think there was a reason to do that. Jedi Master, what's your name? Um, uh, strong guy. That's my name. Strong guy. Is that a first name or a last name? Yes. Large, huge. That's it. Exactly. Okay, Geonosis. Let's get through this. Padman and Anakin land in the conveniently spaceship-sized steam vents, and they aren't burned, and they have direct access into the factory where they make droids, and that leads us to a series of set pieces that cap this movie off, starting it's with the crazy belt time, baby. Well, wait, wait, what about what about Obi Wan and, and yeah. trapped in the blue light? I, I have strong objections to that to the scene where Obi Wan <laughs> is trapped in the blue light. <laughs> Yeah, because that's another echo of a previous scene. We're skipping the uh, scene where he leaves a voicemail message and gets shot halfway. (laughs) Sorry. You're right. No, not the droids. Again, I love Obi-Wan's phone calls, because first there's the one in the rain. (laughs) And then there's the one where he's like, I gotta go. And then he's He's the only Jedi they have. They're just sending him like left and right, like all over the place, while the rest of them are kicked back at the Jedi Temple, being like, oh, that Obi-Wan in the the rain, getting shot at. He's Carmen Sandiego, basically. I want to complain about Obi-Wan being in the prison suspension beam, and this is mostly on behalf of my girlfriend, who feels that Christopher Lee, when he has Ewan McGregor trapped and suspended in a prison, should have cooler stuff around to keep him trapped, suspended, like maybe <laughs> manacles or something. Right. I like that he rotates, but like randomly, so Christopher Lee has to keep, <laughs> walking, keep walking, and we around. get these really weird camera angles of like, it's the back of Ewan McGregor's head. Like, <laughs> why is there not just a, like, why can't they just keep him stationary? <laughs> and they have a dialogue there trying to be the Empire callback, like Dooku, but, but it's, it's delivered in such a toothless kind of pale shadow of the scenes that it references, where it's like, you must join, this is actual dialogue, you must join me. I will never join you, Dooku. Okay, well, that's straightforward then. And then he leaves the room. Good to know. I will never join you, Saru Ma- <coughs> Dooku. It, it, compare it to, like, you know, Luke screaming with his hand cut off, just finding out that this guy was his father, where they're just like, you should join me. No, no thanks. All right, scene. Scene over. I've also been instructed to ask, why couldn't Obi-Wan maybe be shirtless in this scene? Mm. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, at least Christopher Lee, you know, has some gravitas in a delivery, even if it's terrible dialogue and if even, even if it's not his most inspired performance. I'm like, oh, good. There's an adult on the scene yeah, here. Yeah, Thank God. But then they had to say his name. I think I think Christopher Lee comes off. OK, Christopher Lee could do better than this scene in his sleep, though. He's tortured. Yeah, well, I, I think he years. did. <laughs> yeah, this um, I also thought it was strange. Just just let's have him offer. Oh, I'm an enemy of the Sith. They're bad. Uh, join me, and we're gonna work with New Gunray here. It's like, it's like it, this is a is this a double bluff? Is this a triple bluff? Just, he's bluffing himself. I'm Christopher so Lee confused. actually fell asleep halfway through the scene and started doing lines from Fellowship of the Ring, and just no one noticed. I, I'm I'm anticipating he would be cast in Fellowship of the Ring. The um, so that's really confusing. When Anakin decides to go with Padme, like they convince him to break the rules or whatever, Anakin says to her. Don't worry, I've given up trying to argue with you. Oh, did you? Yep. When did that happen? Because I didn't see any of the sparring that you yeah. are now trying to reference retroactively. <laughs> that must have been a different movie where you had this relationship where you've given up trying to argue. Because it seems like there was none of that in the movie, and you never said anything. It was in between all the other scenes. No, there's this brief, once they've decided to 
stop playing the will they, won't they creepy game. Uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're Worst on a ship together. Ever. We're sort of together. We maybe have slept together. And we're sort of bantering. I'm like, okay, this section right here on the ship, this movie I might want to see. The rest of the movie, not so much. Well, you had that had to be interrupted because they did have to have a Mario level as uh, yeah. yeah. When Anakin, <laughs> when Anakin and Amidala land on the planet, Anakin says, "Not again." Obi-Wan's gonna kill me. He loses his lightsaber. And I had actually written that down as being probably the only decent line <laughs> reading that Anakin gets. Yeah, actually, that is film. one of his. Yeah, that, that may be his only one. I don't mind the line reading, but it's just so elbow pokey to me. Get it? Obi-Wan's gonna kill him. Oh, that's the elbow pokey line. Huh? Huh? Well, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> Obi-Wan earlier saying, you'll be the death of me. Like, right. that one is way worse. <laughs> I do not like this plan. Yes. I, I have a bad feeling about this. I'm sorry, Master. I forgot you didn't like flying. This is the worst <laughs> I have a bad feeling about this, by oh. the way. I do like the, we came to rescue you, and I, I did like you and McGregor's, good job. Yeah. That's, yes, love that bit. <laughs> That may be the only funny line. <laughs> in, the, in the Mario level, you have a 3PO who gives a series of lines, oh. unbroken by any lines oh, from any other character. And I, I have a bunch of them written down here, but I'm just listening to them. I, all I could think in my head was, keep trying, scriptwriter. Just, <laughs> just one of these is going <laughs> to land. He says, he says, in sequence, and I wrote all them down, I'm scrap. It's a nightmare. I want to go home. What did I do to deserve this? Maybe pick one. Yeah. Maybe pick one of those you think is the best. The best line that three PO could say. All of them are pretty crappy. They're not delivered very well. They're all well. portal outtakes. I'm so confused. Anthony Daniels has to eat. Okay, he doesn't play yeah. anybody else the, ever. The dialogue I liked around here was when they're chained to the pillars, and maybe they'll and, die. Maybe they'll die. Anakin says to Obi Wan, "What about Padme?" Who's in the background, climbing up her pillar, and Obi Wan just says, "Yeah, she seems fine." No, she's on. She she's on top, she's of on top of it. Everything has to be yeah, some yeah. terrible verbal, you know, patented Lucas humor. I still like the spirit of her not sitting around and waiting. Let's back up. We got the f- crazy fa- stamping uh, conveyor belt factory scene. Um, there. Let's back up. This is uh, we get flying R two D two here. Action scene with C three PO. Everybody desperately <sighs> wants that wacky droid factory head swap shenanigans. Oh dear! Led, led so me confused. To, led me to um, some serious existential questions about how C three PO's consciousness works. Yeah, and and is he is his is it in <laughs> the his body head? is part of it? Yeah, right? is it in his body does it work together? Because because neither of them. It's not like his head is going for a ride in a robot army droid army body, and it's not quite like his body has completely been taken over by the droid army robot head. So I, 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 I went down a rabbit hole there for a little while because I was trying to find something to amuse myself and wonder what, what is the nature of droid consciousness and where does, and what, what makes a droid a droid? I, I have no answers. Well, you see, inside of the droid, there's this thing we call the cloud. Oh, spreads the cloud. throughout the head and the body. Okay. So do they dream of electric gundarks? Mm. Wow. Dan, I've been dying a little bit. <laughs> it's a yes or no question, people. Come on. The whole factory stamping thing, there's the, you know, no one will be seated when Padme is dropped in a crucible that's going to have hot lava put oh, in, and hot metal speaking in of the, They did the cutting of, like, the lava going into a crucible. Is it the crucible she's in? No, it's not. Nope. Lava going in the crucible. Is it the crucible she's in? Nope. No, it's not. Yeah. Not not competently done. Repeated nope. too many times. It's yes. almost kind of hard to keep track of how many crucibles between her and the lava. Like, this is basic stuff of some Whoops. silly... It yeah, went no. into the one she's in. Now she's dead. Oh, well. I, I never really thought she was going to get killed by hot lava. 
No, no. But then R2 does the thing which is like, oh, this drops the crucible on the ground so she, she can run away. Okay, that's good. Uh, I don't know. Maybe R2 fly over and let her grab you? And lift her why, can't, why can't she get out of the crucible? She's this amazing athlete and shooting guns and stuff. But you put her, you put her into a little cement thing that's a, two feet too high for her to get out of and she can't. But my favorite thing about this scene is that when they get to the end, it's like literally like, well, that's over. Now we'll capture you. Yep. Like there's no there's no resolution. It's like literally, well, that was the end of the conveyor belt. I guess we'll capture you well, now. They finished okay. that level, Jason. Yeah, they finished the level. That's right. I like that the ge- the geonosians are just standing on the other side, like yep. tapping their feet, like or right. die yep. or will one of these. Yep, yep. Oh, I mean, they are on a moving sidewalk that is bringing them right to us. Yep. Time for another crappy cutscene. So th- there's um. There's that, and then there's some love dialogue, which I have oh, down in my notes. So bad. Simply, oh, so bad. here's my notes. This is I only wrote down three words in this whole th- scene, which is love dialogue barf. That's all I wrote. <laughs> no title. <laughs> actually, slightly more compelling love dialogue than the ones that was actually written. I had the word gag written with lots of A's between the G's. It's a barf gag, whatever. I truly, deeply unreasonably irrationally nonsensically love you for whatever reason i picture the i hate sand conversation in this scene when i was remembering it and now i realize that was to block out the actual dialogue that happened (laughs) oh god you should do some line readings here padme says i'm not afraid to die I've been dying a little bit each day since. <laughs> <laughs> have you? Have you been dying a little bit each day? Because again, I didn't see that in the movie, and I don't understand why you would be dying, except maybe dying like Poison. as in your soul is being crushed Poison. by yep. this. Yep, that's it. I've I've been dying a little bit for the last yeah. two hours, <laughs> and, and then she has to she has to basically explain. I I truly, deeply, deeply love you. Great line. This goes back to the episode one episode that we did, right? Which is, I'm not going to show it. I'm just going to just list out all the feelings that I have. Like, I've been dying a little bit each day. Like what? What? Like I can't even believe that George could could write that. Like he didn't. He pulled this verbatim from a 1970s Olivia Newton-John song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but, like, Sweet. but when what movie does he think preceded that line? I don't understand. It just boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. So here we learn that the this uh, planet of droid builders also have a penchant for gladiatorial duels. Who knew? I I, I have a note here that says um, I like Natalie Portman's white outfit in this scene. This is this is so a little costume note. This is this this is the outfit that makes me think um, that this is uh, Princess Leia's mother. It's a very kind of this is the the good throwback to the old trilogy kind of thing the all white kind of outfit i liked i liked that so there's a nice thing i said i liked i liked it's a little little bit tighter than leia's outfit maybe also the the convenient midriff bearing claw slash i was gonna say this is this is the bit that kind of creeps me out a little bit though because i realized at this point the only reason the monster slashes her in the back is to reveal her her that monster always wanted to be a fashion designer but he was he felt stifled by his role of of killing uh, you know captives and he said your outfit looks so much better if just oh there you go go. the giant claws couldn't operate a sewing machine so what are you gonna do from that perspective frankly i'm not complaining about the about the exposed midriff, but it's just that combined with the Leia gold bikini, and suddenly I'm getting a picture of Lucas's private life that I really don't want. Yeah, that I don't really need. Okay, so so here's my other note for this, uh, which is a variety of monsters appear, <laughs> which is it's I, I find this fascinating because it's like not like a Roman gladiator kind of thing where it's like and now the lions come out. It's like I know, let's bring out one of those kind and one of those kind and another one here. 
and and we'll put them with these other people in this arena and we'll see what happens. It felt almost like a reality show, like this is the monster arena, the real world monster arena or something. Where yeah. It's like five different monsters enter. What will happen? Who will die first? The first monster kills a guy on a mount right away. So they can't have done this very often. Well, that's like losing on Survivor on the first episode, yeah. right? But, but, but at least we knew what was going on here. The monsters are going to try to eat the people. The people are going to try and not get yeah. eaten. A variety and after, of and monsters. After, and after the love dialogue, you're like, oh, thank God, my brain will have something that it can look at and not feel like it wants to run and hide. Because oh, they yeah. fight the monsters and try not to be killed by them. And yes. But it's the value pack of monsters that struck me. It's because three of the same monster <laughs> three of the same monster would be boring, right? So that we'll have three be, yeah. very different monster monsters. Monster assortment. We'll have the, yes, we'll have the... Uh, the uh, Starship Troopers monster over here, and we'll have the rideable monster yes, over right. here. It's it's the Whitman sampler of monsters. Oh, exactly. This is I wrote down that this as as far as video game sequences in this movie go. Again, ninety percent of the movie, but this particular one is actually not too bad. And I think the reason is there's only three characters. We aren't bouncing back and forth between 50 different random Jedi that we haven't seen before. And you can actually focus your attention on it. The mechanics are clear where there's like the the chains and the, and and how they break the chains and swing around and stuff like that it's all like fairly clear linear mechanics of i've got to get i've got to get uh freed from my chain and then i'm going to ride on the little beast over here and i i i was never confused about what was going on it was all pretty right. straightforward but it all goes downhill once the jedi show up though yeah, this party's absolutely. over <laughs> because suddenly suddenly you're watching 60,000 different characters again yeah. and he never spends more than a, a millisecond on each one of them and you just can't focus yeah the whole time that these three people are fighting these three monsters it's cool but you have to keep in mind just outside the stadium there's first a big squad of jedi on this side then a big squad of robots over here and <laughs> then a big squad of clones over here, all waiting their turn to rush in and attack the previous group. Yeah, I don't know what the Jedi strategy was. I guess we're going to go in there and kill everyone who's not a good guy? Yeah. That, I don't know what their, <laughs> what their strategy was. Their strategy was, we're Jedi. We should just be able to walk over these like, guys. It wasn't an extraction. They weren't. They didn't have any way to extract them. They just went in there and said, we're going to do fighty times. Well, until... I think they figured they'd, they'd give up, right? It's just like, oh, the, all the Jedi are here. We quit, except they didn't realize they've got the crazy uh, droid army there. But they did know that because that's why they brought their crazy clone army. Well, as the backup. Jedi are diminished, Monty. They're diminished. Mm. This is how they're. You see how they're, they're out diminished. Of balance. Well, well, it was another opportunity for th- for three PO to spout more lines like "This is such a drag," and I'm quite beside myself. Oh God, yes, like, oh. I've written down bad three PO puns. Although, to be honest, three PO has been doing bad puns for a long time. I know, but you got to pick the one or two winners. You can't just say everything that comes into your mind and write it down in the script yeah. and then make him say them one after the. They're not even broken up by things. That happened I lost my head. What a drag. Don't make yeah, me no. root for C3PO to die, which is what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a strong, strong contender for the worst bit of patented Lucas so-called humor there has ever been. This is such a drag is is that was I I love pun bad. I love puns and I booed that one. <laughs> I don't know that it's worse than Howard the Duck. The um by the way, I, I didn't write down a lot of dialogue here, but I wrote down you call this a diplomatic solution. Oh my god. That is because that is the back and forth male female, like we're in love, but we're in this action movie and we've got a dynamic and here's what here's what we're gonna say. And it just they they can't pull it off, whether it's the characters or the actors or the director or whatever, but it's like we're trying to do snappy dialogue and it's just like this is where I'm just so angry at the movie that I'm like, No, no, you did it wrong. 
they have the incredible nerve to try to make a callback to an earlier so they, the, the aggressive negotiations thing yeah. a callback to their to the pair floating scene or whatever like it's like some nerve you're gonna call back to that we hated that it's scene. like if they called back later to the what a drag joke <laughs> <laughs> like you, you can't make callbacks to scenes that we all hated that didn't work. Like it's just, it's just incredible. The, the I mean, you can gonna... clearly they don't have self consciousness in that way. But in Lucas's mind, we would be loving that line. That's the most yep. disturbing. Remember, because can... earlier with the aggressive, yeah, laugh. You can yeah. imagine him giggling over it as he scrawls it on a napkin over his uh, seventh donut of the hour. <laughs> the, the part where I almost just directly started in, in, like saying mean things to George Lucas in my notes is when Yoda shows up with with the people, and he makes Yoda. He makes Yoda, who like I try not to associate this Yoda with like the real Yoda, but he <laughs> makes Yoda say around the survivors of perimeter create. Like, no, come on. No. Why are you, what are you doing to me, George? Then he drops it. Yoda speaks perfect English for like the last 10 minutes of this movie. Because even he is just like, to the forward command center, take me. Both of those lines should never come out of Yoda. Like, I get, no, but there's I, like I plenty other ones where he's like, guys, let's just go. And it's totally perfect. Like, I happen to have turned on the subtitles because I didn't realize my version didn't have subtitles. And so I've got like, I'm reading all the dialogue. I'm like, wait, he is speaking in perfectly logical, correctly constructed sentences right now. Why now? Why for only these, like, eight lines of dialogue? Did they just get tired? And they're like, oh, man, the macro I wrote to reverse verbs and nouns broke. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. If you go back and watch episode four, just the scene where Leia is sprung from her prison cell, everything they say is shouted and is amazingly funny and quippy. And none of it reads as terribly as every line in all of the prequels. Boba, your dad's head is in that uh, that helmet. Don't pick it up. No, the head flies out. The oh, head just the head fly out. out. Yeah. There's a t- there's a small dark blur. Well, that's awful. I kind of like uh, Mace, Mace Windu uh, killing Jango by just running up to him and cutting off his head. Because, again, like, Jedis are supposed to be competent, and they spend yes. this whole movie not being competent. So finally we get to see Mace Windu fighting someone, and he gets the upper hand, he just runs right at him and cuts his head off. Yeah, I, I gave a thumbs up to that scene. If they did more of that, would have would have made me think that the Jedi were actually a useful thing to have in the galaxy instead of just people with light-up sticks that this don't make This movie would have been two hours shorter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just cut off their heads. Down from 17. Hey, new gun ray. Psh, broom, gone. Next. <laughs> if they'd done that one movie ago. <laughs> and unlike Anakin, like we don't get a, a, a reasonable origin story for Darth Vader. I think Fett's origin story, Boba Fett's origin story, is reasonable. Raised by a bounty hunter. The Jedi killed the bounty hunter. He's going to grow up hating the Jedi and going to want to be a bounty hunter like his dad. That's yeah, it's going to be great. Everything except for the army of clones based on him. <laughs> he would have grown up to be a bounty hunter anyway. It doesn't matter if the Jedi killed his father. Well, no, but he really dislikes the Jedi. It's in his genes. So then for all those Star Trek fans out there, Obi-Wan Kenobi says, attack those Federation starships quickly. I thought that was great. Finally, a Star Wars, Star Trek head-on war. Just what we've been waiting for. Yeah, except the Federation is run by Newt Gunray, who is terrible. But not unlike a Star Trek character. The J.J. Abrams universe, also run by Newt Gunray. I I think in this scene in the movie, we also catch a glimpse of uh, Dooku's Jedi Rascal Scooter, which I think is adorable. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was yelling at Ren the whole time. I was like, why has he got the scooter? More importantly, why did he park his ship all the way across the desert from the place where he had his scooter? Deniability. (laughs) Worst garage ever. It's such a dorky looking scooter, though. Like, it doesn't look impressive. He looks, I'm embarrassed for him when he's on He looks like he's on a big wheel. 
rascals. It's a, it's a rascal. That's what it Lucas is. Lucas had made a bet with somebody at this point that he couldn't come up with a lamer mode of transport than Darth Maul's <laughs> bike from the first first episode. I thought you were going to say he made a bet like, I can get Christopher Lee to ride on that. It's basically, the guy's like, no, 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 no. I don't think you can do that. 20 bucks says you can't get Chris on that. One of the rules of science fiction is that you always park as far away from wherever you're going as you can so you can see landscape. That's why in Futurama they always land someplace and then have to walk 10 miles to deliver their thing. So this is the scene, and I kind of want to blow through this scene unless you guys have a lot to say about it because I don't think it's that interesting. This is huge armies at war. It's hard to understand the scale. It reminded me a little bit of some of the large fight scenes in Lord of the Rings, except the scale is even larger than that uh, here. You don't care about any of the and people I, fighting. Exactly, and there's no real stakes other than the, that like Amidala falls off the, the helicopter and is in the sand for a while. Which is but fine. It, it's just not... It's just not interesting. Oh, Anakin does yell at Obi-Wan that one scene, like, I want to jump off the ship because she fell to, off the to ship. To get my and, girlfriend. He says, no, don't get your girlfriend. She, I mean, she's fine. She fell on sand. Well, I mean, but he gets super angry. He's like, I'm going to expel you. Like, that's the, he has to, like, go all the way to the, like, what would she do? She would do her duty. <laughs> I'm going to send you to I be wish an I wish I could do my duty. <laughs> my face would look a lot different. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, and it is like one of those video game scenes where you're like, oh, wow, here's the big uh, battle we're going to fight. It's like, no, no, no. In this level, you just pilot the helicopter across the battle to the yeah. next get, scene. Get out of the helicopter. <laughs> the clones who drove you there blow up, but don't feel bad. Immediately are, are, are dead for <laughs> no reason. There's not. Yeah, there was really the script killed them again. Yes, they had to die. And uh, and so then then we get our big confrontation between Dooku, who has dark side lightning, which is nice. That's a nice feature. <laughs> My iPhone has dark side lightning. And Christopher Lee does, does a lot of evil stuff here, which I really like. Well, Anakin rushes in because he doesn't pay attention because he's a terrible student and yep. a terrible person. Heroic. And gets zapped. And gets beat up. And uh, gets his arm cut off. Bummer, man. Yeah. And then Obi-Wan gets beat up, too. Now, it, this my only real complaint with the scene, I thought I would hate the scene more seeing it again, like with the Yoda jumping around like a little frog with the lightsaber and everything. But my only complaint is the same one I originally had, which is the culmination of the scene when Dooku tries to topple a giant stone pillar on top of the two other Jedi so he can make his escape. And Yoda's solution is to move the pillar rather than To move than the pillar the instead, of, instead of the 200-pound people. He, he, well, not only I that, mean, but if you're going to pick up the pillar or whatever, and let's point out that you lifted a starship, which... Uh, in uh, Empire, which is probably a lot heavier, like couldn't you at least take the time to like slam it into his ship so he doesn't get away? Right. Yeah, Yoda. Yoda doesn't come off looking like a very wise or like we expect him to move things with the Force because that's Yoda's big thing, and we don't expect him to pull out the lightsaber. And I totally understand they wanted to do that, and I don't think it works that great. But if you're going to make Yoda a Jedi, it kind of makes sense that he would have to have yeah. lightsaber. No, but... that was that was it was. I thought it was fun to have that moment, and of and yeah, it goes on. He jumps around a lot more than seems necessary, and he's kind of the big green blur a little bit more. But I love the idea that's like yeah yoda knows how to use a lightsaber i didn't too. i didn't hate it as much as i hated it the first time i saw it because i you know the first time i saw it it was very much a no the whole point of yoda is that he is such a good jedi he doesn't need to resort to a lightsaber right uh, but I, I i still believe that but i again i've dis disassociated this yoda yes. with the actual yoda I, i'm with you i liked it the first time but i hated it this time because it's such a bad sword fight well it's not even a sword fight it's like a uh I, I, not to say it's a video game level again, but it's like in the middle of the sword fight, Yoda does some jumping. Well, they have they have a lot of trouble with Chris Hardy here because he's old enough that he requires a stunt double for most of the scene. Yeah. And so what's interesting is you get this mix of scenes where it's like from a medium shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, all right it, right, it looks okay. And then you get these really weird close-up shots of Ewan McGregor and Christopher Lee where it's like, 
I can't actually tell if you're even in the same scene yeah. right now. It's just so dissociated from their actual bodies. And then back out to the wide shot. And it's like, all right, now they're fighting. And that's not bad choreography. And then back into the super close shot. It's like, now you're just looking at each other angrily and waving lightsabers around. I don't really know what's happening. Samuel L. Jackson had the same problem. Because I think he was a little bit too out of shape for the role they wanted him to have. But they didn't replace him with the stunt person. So a lot of the times they have Samuel L. Jackson waving his lightsaber around. And he looks a little bit like, you know, your dad waving a lightsaber around. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when Yoda's in the fight, I think it is bad choreography. It's not clear what either of them are trying to do. I mean, there's a the size mismatches. How do how do you make good choreography between someone's like two feet tall and well, like six it, foot? If he could do Lee? double forward flips that fast, he should be carving Christopher Lee up. But instead, he just flips up to eye level and attacks right where. Christopher Lee or his stunt double yeah, can just block. slice him in the ankles and you're done. <laughs> really hard to fight with no ankles is all I'm saying. <laughs> Put your ankles in it. Do the, thing that, uh, do the thing that Obi-Wan did to Darth Maul at the end of the first film. Shoot up from below and slice him in half. It worked once. Yeah. I also like that um, I do kind of like the injury. Like he stabs, Dooku stabs Obi-Wan and just makes like a hole through his leg. And I'm actually like, well, that's probably pretty devastating because you just like cord the, right through their muscle there. That's probably important to... <laughs> can't move and all of that but you're john john's right that there's the big pillar that yoda makes the bad decision which allows dooku to fly off back to uh back to coruscant and and uh thus and, making uh, the big uh the big epic sword fight that culminates the film utterly unnecessary and <laughs> meaningless well at least he didn't kill him though because the, like the, the big fear is they do with the darth maul thing where there's a guy that's sort of in the movie kind of leading up to an end fight and then he goes away like dooku was in this movie kind of talks about political stuff makes one makes one talk yeah. one speech to obi-wan to say join me obi-wan says no and then if, if dooku had died there that would be i think it would be worse of course we know what happens in the third movie he might as well have just died there because it's Pointless. And we get this weird scene like the Jason was talking about earlier where is it a double bluff? No, I hate the Sith. Wait, let me go report to my Sith master. <laughs> like, who right. are you fooling? What, who are you fooling right now? You're just you're trolling me now. That's what yeah. you're doing. <laughs> just 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 for kicks. For kicks. Okay, so then the imp- then the uh, ships take off um with the clone troopers and all that and we get the Darth Vader theme at the end the Empire theme and and the ships look like the Empire ships and it's like oh aha my plan has been revealed the Empire is on the march oh my god you guys I think I see what is happening I here I think I get yeah. the Republic is turning into the Empire subtle yeah <laughs> I totally subtle. didn't think that would happen, but it George is. George Lucas's dictionary actually is missing the entry for subtle. <laughs> it's it's weird. Cut to Naboo, mm. where a marriage is being held. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody saw that coming. How can you have children if you're not married? Well, it was the next logical step in the relationship was a scene where they get married. The script said, <laughs> now that you are have consummated your love, you must be married. I have three notes for the wedding uh, after like none for the last the previous fifteen minutes because <laughs> you woke up. Relief was washing <laughs> over me at this point. Uh, first of all, one thing you can say for the Empire: in a very short time, they made huge advancements in hand replacement technology. Oh yeah, mm. is that creepy ass thing that he's got under his? He's robe got a there, Terminator so. hand <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I thought that was like just a temp, like it's a temporary yeah, hand while put they the, work on your real. The yeah, why, why, on he got it all blinged out though. Oh yeah. It's, it it's is gold. a little goldenish. It's it? very gold and shiny. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, also, I, th- I found it odd that for her wedding day, Padme chose to wear her one subdued outfit. <laughs> well, that's how she flies. It was yeah. a quiet that's ceremony, how, just yeah. the two of them. 
I was shocked to see that she even had such an outfit, but Mm. there it was for my wedding. It was a tablecloth. And lastly, uh, the utterly inept marital kissing at the end (laughs) is the perfect cherry on top of the six scoop Sunday of awkward that is this film. My last note from that scene and my last note from the entire movie, because this is the last scene of the movie, is their love, their love feels neither true nor tragic. At this point, we're supposed to have that moment of like, ah, yes, they're finally in love, the culmination, or the, oh, but we know this is going to go horribly wrong. And instead, it's like, oh, they got married? Okay. See, I found myself wondering what? if it's a legitimate marriage if your only witnesses are two droids. I mean, R2D2 can't even sign a marriage license. <laughs> yes, but, I mean, but, you don't know that. Maybe he has a pen arm. He can project holograms of the marriage. That's better than signing something. 3PO is a, a certified notary as one of his many talents that he <laughs> yeah, has he in addition like to all his protocol. It's <laughs> it's part of the protocol droid suite of uh, standard applications. Package. Standard package. It's a lot like programming moisture evaporators. It's true. He is his own um, notary stamp, in fact. And if there's anything a protocol droid was made for, it's that. <laughs> it's notarizing a wedding. <laughs> it's yeah. protocol. Wasn't there someone overseeing the ceremony? It was just the two of them, the droids. No, or wasn't there like a There was an officiant. Sure, an officiant but... who is, is going to keep his mouth shut, apparently, because this is a secret wedding. Well, and... Anakin's going to just murder him afterwards. <laughs> you would think the paparazzi would be there, like taking pictures of the senator getting married. But Thank, no. Thanks, thanks, Reverend. No, it was in a, quiet, in a quiet, far off in the lake country ceremony with the Naboo rabbi who is going to just keep it quiet. Nabu Rabbi, Nabu by the Rabbi. way, try saying that. <laughs> I'm proud of that. That's playing after the rural juror. <laughs> Nabu Rabbi was my favorite of the uh, Phoenician kings. I, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you know what my favorite part of this scene was? It was the the movie is over. <laughs> <laughs> it never has that John Williams fanfare kicking in really uh, gotten me quite so excited. Oh yeah, it's a sweet sweet relief. Uh, uh, two notes into that, I turned the TV off. Again, this was three three sessions. My least favorite is that there is a movie after this yeah, that we yeah. still have to watch. Shh. I remember the third movie as being better than these other two. It's the good one. Oh, no, don't. It's not the good one. Don't Whoever said it, that it's is good dead to me. It's no. not the good one. It's, not. it's the worst. No, it's totally dark. It's awesome. It's like Empire. It's got a robot with four arms. <laughs> Forearms better Wookies. than two. Again, I thought. I thought. Uh, what's his name? Grievous. I thought Grievous was in this movie because of yeah. the sort of sameness of the Geonosis. I'm yes. like, and the robots and and the speak and spell Techno Union guy. I'm like, when does Grievous show up? This movie's almost over, isn't it? Nope, he's in the next movie. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. You're excited that Dooku lives through this one, but he's isn't he dispatched like in the first ten? That's minutes? what I was saying. I'm not excited. I'm just saying like they with the first movie they had a villain that might have been interesting in some way and killed him immediately. In this movie, yeah. they had a similar arc for a similar villain, and they might as well have just killed him at the end. They you know, when I came out of this movie, I didn't know he was going to die in his first scene in the, in the next movie. I thought maybe you could have an actual arc with the villain because Palpatine is the crappy villain in terms of on screen yep. time. All he ever does is send threatening holograms and <laughs> act fake nice to, to senators for no reason. You don't need a reason to act nice to people, you monster. Fake nice. Forget it, John. Yeah. It's Dooku Town. It's, it's Coruscant. Yeah, especially with his fake recalcitrance. Oh, I don't. I love the Republic. I don't want to have emergency powers. No, please don't give me powers. Yeah, I'm. In fact, I don't need them because they're nonsensical, and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do with them, so you could just vote for that instead. I could shoot you right here. 
Not a court in this land would convict me. With, with Palpatine, it's all style points. He's just like, look, I could have just taken this over by force, but no, I'm going to have an elaborate plan that involves armies Aided that destroy each other, and just because I can. Look, there's only two Sith. Well, there's a degree of difficulty among the Sith. That, the Sith uh, get bored, right? They've been around for thousands of years. Yeah. So like, all right, how am I going to keep myself in invested sight. now? Well, what have we learned? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I don't need to watch a movie just because you tell me to. <laughs> So here's the question for the panel. Is this movie worse than The Phantom Menace? Yes. 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 I think it is. And the reason is The Phantom Menace is crap, but as the Machete Order guy observed, it's largely self-contained crap. It has precisely zero bearing on anything that comes afterwards. So it's a lot easier to pretend that it's not really part of Star Wars. I could talk myself into liking Phantom Menace. I got nothing on this movie. We didn't even mention the uh, the the Death Star cameo. Yes, Death Star cameo. Like literally, it's literally yeah. a cameo that you open up and it projects a picture. Of the Did Death you bring Star. the super secret plans? I got to make sure these are the right super secret plans. So just yep. a second here. Let me project those. Yep. Yeah. Death Star. Yeah, so the so the plan is ball with a dimple. Got it. Got it. <laughs> This is a new sort of golf ball. That's a good plan. I like that plan. Yeah. Can't you send these via interstellar hologram mail? That would be way too dangerous. They could commit to the marriage. No, so it, do people think this is worse than The Phantom yes. Menace? Monty I think this says, is worse. says it is worse. Steve says I think it's worse. worse. Absolutely worse. So much worse. Oh. So my when watching these originally, I felt like this was better. And now I'm not so sure. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know... I don't know. Episode one is really bad. I know we we watched episode two more recently, but I think episode one is really really bad. And this is it's a question: is something is something that's really bad worse than something that's incredibly boring? Yeah. I, I, Would you rather watch the Pod Race or an equivalent no. stretch from this movie? Any stretch. I can't remember this movie. Oh, see, I think this one has worse. Like the love dialogue is an extra <laughs> kind of like yeah poop poop cherry on top that is just it's <laughs> so incredibly awful. But I don't know. Like if you take out the love dialogue, there are some action scenes in this movie. Like again, when I when I get sweet relief from having to experience this movie, I got to see a little action scene. Like I, Phantom Menace offended me more, and maybe it's the Jar Jar angle, and maybe it's that Anakin. Uh, you know the actor that plays him like i didn't agree with the way anakin was played here i thought it was stupid but at least it was competently whiny as opposed to jake lloyd i i i I thought that episode two was worse but now having seen both of them in recent memory i i gotta give the edge to episode one because episode two is just super boring and the boring i find more forgivable than the awfulness Ah, see i think the boring is what to make star wars boring to me is almost a bigger I think it may be a bigger crime than making it bad. I'm like, all right, I read bad I mean, I mean they're bo- they're both awful. They're both awful. I just can't decide what Sure, what's sure. Worse. I read bad Star Wars books, right? Like but like to make it like make me so like I can't even pay attention. And maybe it's because it, it it leaves my mind after watching it, you know. I watched this two hours ago. I can't remember what the plot was. <laughs> there you go. Maybe that's why I don't think of it as worse because it does leave my mind completely. Because it's like it's like it dissolves on your tongue. It's just, it just goes away, and then it's you forget that you had to. Like when you're in it, it's terrible, and you're like, "Oh God, please make this stop! Please make it stop!" But then it just goes away. Whereas the Phantom Menace, so the poop cherry dissolves on your tongue is what you're saying. But by the way, we've been know. calling it's, him it's Anakin. We've been calling him Anakin consistently, but the movie almost always calls him Annie, which has to be one of the worst uh, decisions. 
they go uh, back and terrible. forth on that, but yeah, I agree that that I think we t- mentioned that in, in the uh, Phantom Mass one too. Is but after terrible, Shmi terrible dies, nickname. he's little orphan Annie. <laughs> Shmi and Annie. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna make it. <laughs> Sandy, Sandy. Oh. All right, now <laughs> it's it's so. But I I I agree. Whether whether you choose bad or boring, I feel like that's kind of the choice because I I think back to some of the Gungan stuff and all the stuff with the Trade Federation. And I think there's so much in episode one that I really despise that it's just like I don't ever want to see it again. And this movie, you know, it was like wall it was like wallpaper. It was inoffensive in parts. The dialogue was really bad. With the sound off, it was less bad. And, you know, some of the action stuff is okay, but it's boring and kind of and just not it's just kind of there. So I think I think you I think you have adults doing things like again, if you watch with the sound off, an adult jumps out of a window and grabs a droid, and there's a very badly done car chase and there's some shooting, and it's just like at least there's people doing things somewhere. And Phantom Menace, there's just like that. There's nothing going on. I'll put it this way: Phantom Menace is worse, but I resent Episode Two more huh. just because huh. Episode One came out and it was like, oh man, this is really bad. Well. Maybe maybe you got another shot, right? And the episode two was like, no, I was not paying attention. Getting back to the timeline thing, after I when I went into episode two, I thought, you know, I had, I had high hopes. When I came out of it, I was broken. I'm like, well, that's it. That's for the it. Prequels. That's it. That's oh, it. Oh yeah, because, I agree. Like, because the, the title of Star Wars episode three is, we'll know when we do this. My title for Star Wars episode three was Star Wars hyphen episode three colon. Let's get this over with. Well, I, for me, it was the fact that looking going forward to episode three, it was the point where I was just thinking like there's all the people who kept saying like, no, no, this one's going to be good. Like I finally saw the delusion in it. Yeah, no, that was it. it was, it's two two out of three. And like people like telling themselves it was going to be good. I'm like, I cannot, I can't, you cannot get me again. You have yep. fooled me twice. Nope. You cannot get me a third time. Totally broken. Like there is no chance it's going to be good. I was convinced, and it was just like even if it is two out of three, it's fair. The pre- the, I wrote them off because I said you you didn't. That's it. It's over. Speaking as somebody who didn't care either way, because I'm not that invested in the original uh, series. Two is so much worse because <laughs> I will take I will take bad, which at least can be entertaining in a bad sort of way. Over, I can't even watch this movie I, I literally find this movie unwatchable and it's never more boring than in the action sequences ironically enough i mean the the uh all of the dialogue true in the love scenes is truly horrible but at least i can point and laugh and these action sequences that are just crap flying by one after the other and there's just nothing to hold my interest i can't even watch i literally cannot watch i have to i, I was sitting there watching these theoretically exciting scenes and i was thinking God, I gotta fix that hole downstairs in the wall. I gotta pick up some spackle. And, oh crap! I'm supposed to be watching this for a podcast. I gotta get back to it. It's unwatchable. It, it was. I mean, I guess it's true that it was harder for me to get through this. Again, I watched Phantom Menace in one sitting, and this one took three. So maybe I, I, it's just a tough call. You're starting to win me over. I don't know. It's just. It's all just so painful. I come from the opposite side from Steve. As a child, I cared very much about Star Wars. I had Star Wars sheets. And I liked Star Wars enough that when the first prequel movie came in, I committed to it and talked myself into it and watched it over and over until I Stockholm syndromed myself into accepting it. I couldn't do that with episode two. (laughs) Sad. Nothing to get hold of. It it broke us. It broke. It broke everybody. It was it. It, (laughs) We're broken. Maybe if you were strong enough to make it through episode one, yes, we were just, we were resigned to our fate. We understood that this, these prequels were never going to be good. They were never getting any better. George Lucas was bad. We should feel bad. 
Serenity, uh, what is your thought about episode one versus episode two? I don't think we heard from you. No, you didn't. Um, that's it. That's probably because, yeah, I, I have very little to say about episode one and episode two other than I feel like I was more like some of our other panelists. I was more disappointed in episode two than episode one. And I was younger when I saw episode one than episode two. So I feel like I can excuse um, some of episode one's failings on, oh, I saw it when I was younger and I didn't completely hate it. I only partially hated. But this one – this one is kind of – this one actually frustrates me more because there are the glimmers of a good movie in what is irrevocably a, a horrible, mm. horrible film. And to see the little bits where I'm like, yes, I want to see that alternative universe movie. I really want this to be what Star Wars prequels look like and then have that not happen just as soul crushing. Fool me twice. Shame yep. on me. Fool me three times. We're doing another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah, well, don't mention that yet because I think it would be not good no. for our mental health. We'll, we'll, we need we need a break to regain our strength. We do. We we need to we need to regain our strength. I will go to the desert. No, I hate sand. I do have to ask: Did did any of you who watched uh, Phantom Menace in the theaters seven or eight times watch this more than once in the theaters? Hell, hell no. no! I think nope. I saw it once. So you did learn something in the internet. Oh yeah, yeah. But I must have watched it a second time when it came out on DVD because yeah, yeah. I've seen it more than once. Episode three, although I claim I liked it more, I only ever watched the once in the theater, and that's I've it. I've only seen I've only seen episode three once. I've seen episode two probably three or four times because I watched it. Then I watched it on DVD. And like I said, I I like the Camino stuff more than I did this last time. And then I watched it with my kids because they, they did have seen that. They haven't seen episode three either. So I've played the Lego game several times. Yeah. Like the Lego yeah, game. I think Much I feel better. like I've seen more of episode two in the Lego games than mm-hmm. I have. I, I think I've watched episode two maybe three or four times. It's like knowing a movie from the Mad Magazine period. <laughs> I saw episode one half a dozen times, including like three or four times in the theater. I saw episode two and three once each in the theater. So like John said, broken. Yeah, I've seen them both thrice, and uh, I think that's enough. Yeah, I agree. I think we've done our job, and so I am going to call an end to this very long, um, very long podcast about episode two. We've once again gone longer than the movie, but you know, and that's hard to believe because this is one long, long man. It felt. But let me tell you, we um, we are also more entertaining than the movie. Hey, I said it. Also hard (laughs) to believe. I know, and yet there it is. All right, so I'm going to thank my guests for spending all this time talking about a movie they never, ever, ever have to see again. And those people are Serenity Caldwell. Thank you very much. Thank you. You survived. I did. I did, somehow. Good for you. Good for us. Dan Morin, are you still out there? I'm just barely okay. still alive. Good. Thank you for being here. It's. I wish I could say it was a pleasure, Jason. <laughs> wish I could say that. I know. I know you do. Monty Ashley, thank you very much for being here. Did I mention this one boing sound effect that when Watto is on screen? Because that really made me angry. You call this a diplomatic solution, Monty? I do not. It's aggressive diplomacy. Steve Lutz, love dialogue barf. How are you? Thanks for being here. It's all Syracuse's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. (laughs) And John Syracuse. Um, thanks for being here. I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you didn't big off. I had a, a nightmare that you're like, nope, can't do it. Sorry, no. I, I didn't know if I was going to make it. I think I better get started now watching episode three <laughs> in five 100, 100, 126 one-minute segments. Yeah. <laughs> Separated by a week of recovery after each. Yeah.
Maybe just frame by frame. That's the good one, John. It's cool. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Oh, I hate sand. Anyway, uh, let's talk more about uh, trade disputes. Let's do that. We could at least have seen some actual trading to explain what they were disputing. <laughs> what are they trading? I, I, where is all this spice coming from? This isn't a Frank <laughs> Herbert novel. The spice must flow through Naboo, apparently. It comes from the uh, liquid core of the planet. Yeah. <laughs> they say that Naboo has no exports whatsoever and they rely on imports. But I look at the planet. And I, it's a green, lush planet. How do they not grow a million things? Yeah. They should milk those giant ticks. Ugh. There's Gungan juice on everything. You don't want it. No. Yeah. It's Jar Jar. It's Jar Jar. <laughs> He's poisoned everything. It comes down to Jar Jar. <sighs> All right. Sure. Well, that's it. We're done. I hope you're happy, everybody out there. <laughs> we, I'm what, really not. What we do for you, what, because we love. Anyway, that's it for this. And uh, when we'll be back for episode three, I don't know. We'll have to consult our doctors. Until then, oh. thanks for listening. Goodbye. May the force be with you. Stay away from sand. I don't like sand. I don't like sand. Sand is pretty soft, guys. Coarse, and it's rough. It's rough. And it's irritating. Sand isn't rough. And gets in between your toes. And it gets everywhere. I've been to the beach. Sand is nice and soft. You can fall down on it. You know what? When you're when you're starting off a, a pickup line, you're going to end with smooth and uh, and soft. Yeah, yeah. You really don't want to throw in sand in the underwear into the yeah. imagery <laughs> stew, like you. I, I think it's very telling that that line is actually I don't like sand, and yet everybody remembers like it as I hate I sand. Hate sand. <laughs> it's because that's in his character. Of course, it's, it's, it's in the character of anybody who's seen the movie. They're trying to give him some kind of strong emotion, which he ought to be expressing at that point in the movie, but isn't. Yes, it's not. Never does. And it gets everywhere. Ha ha ha! That's my funny line in this scene. I vaguely dislike this it's thing, everywhere. but I vaguely like you. Let's yes. get married. Let's get married. <laughs> okay, and Natalie, you just stand there like a statue. Good, good. good. No expression. Good. Keep doing that. He's going to touch you. Don't shrink away. Good. Okay. <laughs> Try your best, sweetheart. All right. We're, We're done.